What is up, Gypsy Gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast, and my guest today is Cody Shock. And the number 72 on the Chaparral Honda in the 450 class is fast becoming one of my favorite riders. Uh, dope style. We talk a little bit about style. It's actually crazy. He thinks he doesn't have good style. Uh, if I was to describe Cody's style, it would be like a really short version of Sexton mixed in with a Spicer Basha. Those two guys, you know, like opposite forces. I think Cody's kind of in the middle. Um, man, talk about humble beginnings. The guy, he has a really great story in the podcast where he said, like, the thing that drove me was seeing on Instagram and, and Verb and all the, the online platforms, kids living at um, training facilities while he was going to school. Um, he's a really, really cool guy that has just come from the bottom. Um, 30ths at Loretta's. Um, 30th in nationals to top 20s to getting points to top 10 in the 450 class at nationals. Um, he's well and truly secured his seat on that Chaparral Honda team. And man, he's doing work. He's up in uh, up in the top 10. Um, you would have seen him if you've watched the, the nationals this year. And there is just an epic, epic story um, to go along with that number 72450. So really enjoyed this podcast. If you haven't heard of, uh, of Cody Shock, before this podcast, I'd find it very hard to believe that you weren't a fan of him after you listened to these three hours. Uh, we're brought to you today by our lovely sponsors. Attention listeners all across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbit in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million and 1 men, including me, worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG. You ready for an out-of-this-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance 4.0 package from Manscaped that has just taken off not only in the US, but in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, and South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear, Nose, and Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, uh, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. First, scheduled for liftoff, new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even Uranus. I kind of steer clear from that. I just feel like uh, definitely down to give the balls a touch-up. But uh, look, Uranus, you can just stay in your own orbit. Uh, this fourth-generation trimmer also features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents uh, that their advanced skin safe technology uh, has going on in there. That's the question that I get asked the most uh, by listeners and by friends who have bought uh, the Manscaped package. They ask, how? How is it possible that after all these years of making my nuts bleed, the Manscaped products uh, will stop that from happening? And it is all in that ceramic blade. Once you get one, you'll understand for yourself. Um, if you've never 
thought of uh, of using uh, like a weed whacker for your nose and ear hairs. Um, you just, like I said, just follow the system. Um, and then you put on uh, the crop preserver and the crop reviver. Um, and, you know, it's just like that little self-care, little self-love. All right. So to get 20% off plus free shipping, you need to use the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. That is 20% off with free shipping when you use the code gypsygang at manscaped.com. For a clear trinity and beyond, your space bowels will thank you. Also, we are brought to you by the guys at MX Store. You can head to mxstore.com.au. If you are in Australia and you order before 2 p.m. on a weekday, you are going to get same-day shipping on everything at MX Store. These guys have literally everything. They're the biggest in Australia. Uh, They are the best in Australia, and they get it done. Uh, Also, if you are looking for a little bit of more Moto Entertainment, uh, make sure you get head on over to the MX Store YouTube channel. Check out the Wreckers to Checkers project. Uh, They basically took three bikes that were um, just your classified uh, bike sales type find um, and they have turned those into um, some really, really cool restored bikes. They were given a $6,000 budget. So this isn't some exorbitant build. This is something that you could definitely do at home. Um, So yeah, some really cool stuff uh, going on at MX Store. Once again, mxstore.com.au and that Wreckers to Checkers project is on their YouTube channel, and it's a fan vote too, so you can actually vote for who wins. Um, so make sure you check out both of those websites. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. As always, our gloves, our Gypsy Tales merch gloves, are fist gloves. They are the best gloves in the world. I will not wear anything else. Uh, ride or die, Fist Handwear. Um, if you are in the US and you've never tried a pair of fist gloves, they have a US distributor, so you don't have to wait for gloves to come all the way from Australia. So if that's a barrier for you to buy yourself fist gloves, you've never tried them, um, then fear not. They've got a distributor there. You order some gloves, you'll get some gloves. Do you know who runs fist gloves? Jason Lawrence. Do you know who runs fist moto socks? Jason Lawrence. Say no fucking more. We're also, uh, actually before I get into that, fisthandwear.com. Hit it up. Good enough for Jason Lawrence. Good enough for me. Good enough for you. Basically, Every single rider falls somewhere between Jason Lawrence and me. Uh, We're also brought to you by the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. Thrilled is an understatement with uh, some of the stuff that we've got going on with those guys. Um, Our Bike Sales 125 Project Bike is... This thing's turning into a real weapon. And the icing on the cake, the creme de la creme, the little crispy bit on the top of the tiramisu, that's Rival Inc. They make your bike... And uh, I just don't trust anyone else for my graphics. Uh, Rivalinkdesignco.com. You can use the code GYPSYGANG. That's going to get you 15% off. Uh, These guys, trust me, innovators, best in the business. Love these boys. Keep it up. If you haven't got a set of Rivalink graphics before, just try it. See what I'm talking about. Uh, And we're also brought to you by the guys at Crickstweed. Crickstweed.com.au. All right, and uh, that is it for the ads. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. Thank you to everybody that uh, that sits through those ads and uh, listens to the nonsense that I carry on with during them. Without our sponsors, we cannot make the show happen. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, watch these episodes, watch some clips, leave some comments, do all that shit. I love you guys. Appreciate y'all. Cody Shock. From the gang.
Good. Cody Shock, we're in the building. Yes, sir. Let's go. I've been uh I've been wanting to do this for a bit. We've been uh we've been homies on the gram for a while and uh man, I just I like the style. I like the Chaparral Honda. Um I like the style on the bike and then the results started happening and all of a sudden I'm like, damn, Cody Shock is uh he's one of the boys. Yeah. No, we are one of the boys. Um it's been kind of like a long time coming, but it's uh, things are just starting to happen. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I love what I do, and we're not done yet. So just just be patient. <laughs> hey, uh, so before we get too far into it, this was not coordinated. The no. drip was not coordinated. We've just we've just shown up, and uh, look, all right, you got the summer vibe going. I got the winter vibe going. And uh, yeah, shout out to the shout out to the homie Twitch. Yeah, no, he he always has us covered. Uh, I I was like, you know what, this shirt just got released. Let's uh let's bust it out. And as soon as I walked in and saw you on the monitor, I was like, oh no way. <laughs> That's so good. So how did how did that come about? Because I feel like with Twitch, uh, he's just one of those guys that doesn't really matter if you're like winning races doesn't really matter if you race at all i feel like if you've got okay here's the requirements to be on the twitch program mad bike skills dope as fuck person yeah no honestly if i'm being completely real we got it kind of through my neighbor kenny bell uh kenny lives like six houses up from us and a ray obviously lives with him too and he was like yo like there's this kid shock that I know he can do some stuff and let's like put him on. So then uh, Twitch was like, all right, yeah, yeah, have him come into the shop one day. So we came in and obviously me being me, I'm like, holy shit, like this is, this is Twitch. Like this is the man, the myth, the legend. And it was so cool seeing like all the helmets on display and like all like the bikes that he's saved from over the years from freestyle to x games like all that um and then he was like hey like here's like a starter kit and we'll just get you going and then what the best part is, is he's only like a mile from where i live so he was like yo just come in like people hang out here all the time and yeah so after that kind of like you know broke the ice a little bit kind of went in and i started kind of working for him during supercross just like no you know, way. For, yeah, for fun. Like, I, I wasn't getting paid, but I was just like, hey, like, on my off days, I was like, hey, you guys need any help. So, like, I was sending out orders with them, and no, it's it's like, it's a good vibe. I mean, I, yeah, later we would race on Saturday. We would fly home on Sunday. Tony, uh, my mechanic, like, best friend, Rumi, all that, he, he gives me off on Mondays, and I was like, boys, do you need help? And they would sometimes say, yeah, and I'd go in and yeah, it's a good time. That's so cool, man. The coolest thing with Twitch too, right, is like he has his vibe. He's on his own mm-hmm. shit. He's like uh, the tattooed dude, the free ride guy, got a weed brand. And you're probably as far away from that as possible, like super clean cut, like East Coast kid, yeah. kind of nerdy. And like there's still... A guy like Twitch still has 
a mad level of respect for you, even though you're like the complete opposite to him, you know? And I think that, not to make it a DBK ad, but it's like, that's kind of what it is, right? It's like, no matter the kind of like subsection of the culture that you're a part of, right. like dirt bike kid kind of goes over all of it. And it's, it's like, you are a good example of that within, within that brand. Yeah, no, Twitch is, he, the easiest way to explain him, he's, he's a family man. He is, if you're friends with him or if you respect him, he'll respect mm. you. And that's, what's so cool about Moto and uh, honestly like DBK itself is like, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you're a good dude, you're a good dude. Like, cause at the end of the day, besides dirt bikes, we're all, we're all the same. We all wake up the same way. We all eat, get dressed the same way. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're all no normal human beings. So Twitch sees that and he's always just like carrying a, a really good vibe around him and he keeps it loose and he keeps it funny. He simply just loves the sport. So no, it, it's cool with what he's doing. And yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in this position to be surrounded by them. And so when you're, so you move out from the East coast and you're a, I guess like a small fish in a big pond in a way until you kind of like carve out your name in the scene. What does it do for your confidence? And just like, cause I mean, dude, I've moved to California. Like I've moved to Murrieta from Australia and I've, I've felt like that, you know, and Twitch is one of the guys that made me feel like that was a dope place to live like him and Matto and, and that crew. Um, so it's pretty important to have people that are super established in a town or a new place when you move from somewhere um, to kind of like start to make it feel like it's yours. So it must be pretty cool to, you know, like you said, get put on by those guys. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely awesome. Uh, I mean, I came from a really small town from the East coast and when I first came out here to California, like obviously like nobody knew me and that that's fine. I mean, I was, I'm still to this day, I'm kind of shy. So I like, I would never like just go up and like introduce myself, but I would just kind of like ride with them on the track at like, and then I like, I'll probably talk to them like off the track, but no, like twit after like I got in like close with Kenny Bell, he introduced me to Twitch yeah. and then Twitch introduced me to Behrman and then it kind of just went down the line, like just wanky, like all these dudes that are huge in our industry they're all in the same place and it definitely does make it feel like home now because you're not just like an outsider. You're like in with the guys and you realize that they're not like just pushing regular people to the side. Like they don't blow you off. They're, they'll talk yeah. to you like a normal human being. And that's, that's, it's awesome. I, I love it out here now. It's this place is definitely opened a lot of opportunities for me and yeah, no, it's, it's good. Like this is where I needed to be. And I knew I ne had to make the decision to move out here. And it's all about making sacrifices in life. Like if you want to grow, you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Like that's just, that's just how it is. Yeah. So you're 23, which is super young. So I'm literally 10 years older than you. <laughs> and I moved to, which is crazy to think, but I moved to Murrieta Temecula when I was probably like 22 I think so sort of similar yeah. age to yeah. move over there and kind of like start fresh and man I like 
I guess it's everybody would say this, but I wish I knew so much more than I did. And I wish I was like open to growing up so much more than I did. Um, but I mean, for a guy like you, you're so like disciplined and you're regimented and training and you've got this goal. When you move to a place like Temecula and you're kind of, like I said, little fish, big pond, yeah. do you have like a lot of quick growing to do? And have you noticed that you've grown a lot and got more comfortable being uncomfortable, like you said, just in the short time you've been there? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, w- I won't say that I was spoiled growing up, but it was pretty much like whatever I needed, my parents would do. And just like everyone in life, if you, like, even if somebody goes to college, they learn real quick. Like the, the world is not the nicest place. Like you got to defend for yourself. Mm-hmm. And now coming out here, like it definitely taught me some stuff real quick and not, not bad, but like it just, it was an eye opener. And yeah, you gotta, you, you make, you have to make the best of it. Like you wake up and however your day is going to go, that's on you, not anyone else. That's on you. Mm. And do you decide to be happy or not? Like you don't have somebody like your parents, like next to you saying, Hey, don't worry about that. Move on. Where when you're on your own, you're like, how do I handle this? So now it's, it definitely opens your eye quick and yeah, it's life. It's rough sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what's been some of the challenges like what's some of the stuff that you kind of run into out there that you just like and it's not even dirt bike shit you know just general life shit no. where you're like fuck this is <laughs> this is tough no it's okay like let's be real you growing up you never had to worry about going you know get like uh laundry detergent or going to get like toilet paper Amen. Or, like like know <laughs> what i mean like that stuff like or going to get toothpaste or a toothbrush you could just be like write it down on the list for your mom and she'll go get it for you and now it's like ah oh, you gotta like plan that out now you gotta really plan out your day and it's it's time management that's i think that's one of the biggest things is time management because I mean, like for me personally, you wake up early in the morning, eat breakfast, you go to the track, do what you got to do, come home, do your off the bike cardio or training, whatever it may be. And then you got to make time to make dinner and then get ready for the next day. So it's, it's never, uh, it's never ending. Like it's, yeah, I think it's time management. That's been the biggest thing and just trying to stay on top of ordinary life yeah man that's like to this day that's still my biggest challenge as well is you know i've kind of accepted a life of very little downtime and i think that the the younger version of me thought it was way more important to kind of chill a bit more you know like no you need a couple hours a day to just chill like just watch tv (laughs) like you need that and then you go through a few months where you're just fucking sending it and then you realize like actually i don't need that downtime and Mm -mm. if you're enjoying your uptime then you know what are you sort of needing a break from kind of thing but um yeah man that's even for me to this day it's just still my biggest challenge is prioritizing all of the tasks that life demands you know like i when i go home from this podcast i have a mountain of washing (laughs) (laughs) that's a a laundry oh my gosh like growing up you know your parents might make you do your own or they might do it for you or it may be a mix of in between but like 
laundry and making dinner. Like it's easy to go out throughout the day for breakfast. Like that's basic. Lunch is basic. But dinner, if you want to have a good dinner, you really got to like go to the grocery store and buy what you need. And if you don't have that ingredient, you're kind of screwed. And yeah, like that's, that's one thing for me is always thinking ahead. Like what do I want for dinner? Cause that's an important meal. It, it is. Yeah, big it time. Is. Yeah. Uh, so did you did you get uh, did you get sucked into Old Town at all when you first moved out there? No. So I originally was uh, living in Torrance, so like L.A. area, um, uh, with yeah, yeah. with uh, my buddy Connor Olson and Kenny Day, and like I was yeah. sleeping on their couch, trying to just feel how California was, kind of practice for Supercross, all that. And then eventually, uh, my buddy Tony, that I live with now, he was living where uh, I'm currently at, and it's so much like more central to all the tracks around here. Yeah. And even before Biden came in, gas was pretty expensive by the beach. It was like four bucks a gallon. And yeah, I I couldn't do it no more. Like I was driving from LA to the Murrieta area three times a week in a van that got like 11 miles to a gallon. That's not fun. (laughs) It's not fun. Like it was like every other day, just swipe the card, swipe the card. And I was okay with that at first because I'm like, oh, I'm in California, I'm living. And then you see your bank account get to a certain number and you're like, oh, what do I do now? And you got to make a change. And fortunately I was in a spot where I was able to, to, to make that change and yeah, it's much easier now. Yeah, dude, the, uh, yeah, there's definitely some logistics that go into living in California. Like that was one of the biggest things I noticed when I moved back to Australia. Cause I spent like nearly eight years over there and, uh, and I, so I pretty much like wasn't an adult in Australia. Like I was a kid when I moved to America and then yeah. I was, came home like <laughs> semi an adult and, uh, and I was just like, fuck, you can actually do a lot of shit in a day in Australia. Whereas in America, or like in, a, in California, sorry, you do one thing a day. Like you plan, if you've got like a biz, if you're a business guy, it's like you can do one meeting somewhere. Or if you're a dirt bike rider, you can go to one track and that's it. Yeah, like uh, for instance, yesterday I went to Glen Helen and it, it's usually like an hour drive. I saw traffic at a certain at a certain point. I was like, "Dude, this is about to take like almost two hours." Fortunately, like it wasn't that long, but like there has been times when an hour drive turns to two or maybe three, and mm. you never know what you're gonna get. Some days you'll wake up, go to the track, and there's no no traffic, and then another day you wake up and it's like, "Bro, what are y'all doing?" Like the gas is on the yeah. right. Get off the brake. And of course, everyone in California loves the left lane for no reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel you. I, d- I, definitely don't, I definitely don't miss that. I do miss a bunch of shit about America, though, to be fair. Um, that was one of the things. So, like, when I first moved over there, I was with the JDR team. So, like, essentially, they were, they were like a, a factory team, essentially. Like, they might yeah. not have been the factory team, but they run, like, a factory team. And... Uh, even me dude like i was filming for the team so i was going to the track every day and i was doing the like i was on the grind with the crew 
And I didn't have to wash bikes. I didn't have to wash gear. I didn't have to do none of that. And I was fucking zorched every day from the, the grind. So, and, and me and even like, dude, the team owner, Jay, who's still to this day one of my best mates, um, we would drive home from the track being like, how the fuck do privateers do this? It, it, dude, I question it too. Because uh, on the East Coast... The closest track to me was it was called Snake Creek, and that's where I grew up. Like that that place is what made me, and it was only like 15 minutes away from me. And then the cl- the track closed, and we obviously had to find another spot. The closest track to me was two hours, and it was like a two hour radius. I was like you could go two hours west and go to Bud's Creek, or go two hours north and hit up like English Town, New Jersey, or this track in uh, Field of Dreams in Jersey as well, or the there's a track in Pennsylvania called Pagoda. But yeah, it was like two hour direction. And obviously I was only able to ride on the weekends, but that was not fun. And it's, mm. the, yeah, your wallet don't like it either. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, dude, definitely. When, uh, so I guess, you just got to a point in your career because so you've got a pretty interesting career so to i guess for people that haven't heard of you um so you're a guy that is now running around the top 10 in the 450 class outdoors not on a factory bike and you've never had a factory ride and you've come from like the bottom to just slowly working your way up so you're in a unique position in the sport right now in my opinion because there's not that many guys on privateer bikes in the top 10 for starters and then if they are they're guys that are kind of like had rides and not had rides and you know what i mean yeah but you've literally come from the bottom and worked your way up so i guess it'd be cool just to kind of like go through your career a little bit because it's an unconventional one at this point yeah no it's uh I always say this, everyone paints their own picture and we all have a Mm. different path. But what's crazy with the sport is like, we've had such a different path, but we all end up on the same gate every weekend. Yeah. And that's that's, so true, dude. It's, that's what I love about the sport. It, and you can, everyone has their different opinion about it, but you know what? It's how much you want to have it. It's how much you want it. it. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And I was that guy in 20, 2016, I went to Loretta's and I got like 30th overall in open pro sport. Wow. Like I, like now mind you, like I DNF, I, I didn't even start the first moto cause I had a bike issue in, a, in another class, but I went the following weekend to Unadilla to make my pro debut and I qualified 36 and two laps in, I broke my back. Okay. And that was the same, that was the same day that Jesse Nelson, uh, second moto caused wow. a red flag. Wow. Yep. And yeah, that was a rough day. Um, not only seeing myself go through it, but for Jesse and like that outcome, but Jesse is crushing it to this day. Like it's so awesome to see his mental health and what he's doing. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of like regrouped 2017 came out. I did like five, 
I did five pro nationals and I was a solid 24th and 25th place 250 rider all day. And I was like on the verge of like going to LCQs every weekend. That was me. And 2018 came, uh, decided to go to the 450 class because we couldn't afford to build a 250 again. And I was that guy that qualified 25th into the into the mains and I would get like 28th, 25th. And then we went to Bud's Creek, which is my home track. And I finally scored my first ever pro points that day. And I went 1920. And then 2019 came, switched brands. And that's when I finished 2019. 2019 was the first year that I took moto seriously because I didn't have to go to school. Um, mm. Yeah, tw- at the end of 2018, I, I did my two years of college for my CAD degree. And my parents were like, all right, you, you did what we asked you to. Go chase your dream. I was like, okay. So 2019 was like full focus. And then that was kind of like a breakout year in a way for me. Um, I started getting like 15th overall. And then I got a privateer power award and then I started almost pulling whole shots and it's kind of like setting the world on fire for myself, not everyone else, but for myself. Mm. And I was like, I, I can, I can do this. Like we're literally right there. And I was that kid. I got excited when I saw a photo with me and Wilson or me and Tomac, you know, in the same photo like that, that's cool. Cause you know, you're up there. Um, and then 2019 is when I moved to California that that winter and yeah it kind of just kind of kept going from there 2020 came supercross was rough for me uh i mean i made my first two ever two mains and that was cool and then i had some decent rides in outdoors but it wasn't what i was capable of like i i was i knew what i could do but I wasn't on the equipment to do it. And we ended up DNFing motos because bikes were breaking. And then uh, the 21 Honda 450 came out and that's when I got 10th yeah, overall yeah, at Paula. Yeah. Like that, that's what really like jumpstarted again for me. And I was like, you know what? I am that guy and we're going to do this. So then I got, I, I never had guidance growing up. My dad, slap me on the ass go have fun bud that's all I got he, he they my parents never pushed me they're like depending on how much you want it that's how far you'll get I was like okay so uh I got Tony Archer he former pro um Tony's a badass hands down um Tony he his mental health is just through the roof He's all, he's all about just like serving life with a purpose. Okay. Cause if you don't have a purpose, what's the point of doing anything? And Tony mm-hmm. has he, Tony's pro career. He had some really good moments and he, he was one of those guys where just not everything worked out, you know, like he, mm-hmm. he was completely capable of doing it, but like some things just didn't line up. Because in the sport, you need some luck. And he had great luck at times, and he was crushing it. And then it was just like, bam, that one little thing kind of set back. Um, so Tony, when it, he came to be my mechanic, 
it's like a best friend relationship. So that was easy to start with. And he was like, look with you, we need to calm you down. He was like, yeah, you're mm. fast. Yeah. You have all the skill on a bike, but you move way too much. And I was like, okay. And I took it as an insult. He was like, no, like just, just wait and see what I can like form you. And he was like, cause you have all the ingredients to do this. And I was like, okay. And we really just focus on slowing down my mind. And his, his dad was in the military. So Tony growing up has always lived like do this, this, and this, and you'll get this. And everything mm. is on time. And that's what Tony has brought into my program. And we don't worry about anybody else. We worry about myself and him and what we're doing that day. We go to the track with a plan and we execute that plan and then we call it a day. We don't care if other people are staying later in the day because at the end of the day, what matters is me. And mm. that's been the biggest thing for me this year is just ha actually having guidance, sticking to a plan and doing it. And this is how far it's gotten me. And it's crazy because mm. we're still continuing to excel. And I mean, the past two weeks I've been in boot camp because I was unhappy with how I rode. Like I was happy with how I rode at Washougal, but I knew I could do more. And I got passed by a few guys that I felt I shouldn't have got passed by. I was like, I looked at Tony and I was almost like in tears because how angry I was. And I was like, we're going back into boot camp and we're, we're, we're doing this. And he was like, okay, well we're doing that. And today I finished my two weeks of boot camp, and I'll tell you what, I am tired but on the bike, I feel a lot stronger than what I started the season as. And yeah, we, we got, we got some, uh, business to do cause I'm not happy with honestly the results I've been getting. I've had a good few motos, but like I need a full day and to get that top 10 result. Cause I know I can do it. And it's, it's not easy by any means, but if you prepare yourself, you create your own luck. So that's, that's what we're doing. Dude, you're a fucking gangster. I love that shit. <laughs> no, and it, like I'm not here to like preach or like be inspirational, but it's just like you just got to keep it real with yourself. And that's who I surround myself with. I I don't tell I'm not, I'm not by I don't surround myself with people that are like, "Dude, you're so good this, you're so good at that," blah blah blah, like I don't need you to tell me how good I am at something. Tell me what, tell me something that I'm weak at and let me prove you wrong. And that's, yeah, just surround yourself with real people that look out for the best interest in you and you'll get far in life. Like that, that's, that's just a proven fact. And I, I live by that and I'm very thankful for how my parents raised me growing up. They're very, uh, they're hard on me. That's for sure. So have you, like, you've got some, uh, first of all, I completely agree with everything that you're saying. And I think it's yeah. awesome to be at your age and to have that level of insight into, into yourself. So when did you start thinking like this? Have you thought like this since you were a young kid? Because you come across like, to me from the outside looking in as just like a fan of you you come across as like a cool fun dude that's like funny and also very serious and i like that because i'm a fucking very serious person and uh i don't know where that comes from you know and so 
how long have you been thinking like that have you always kind of been a deep thinker about this type of shit or is that something did that come from your parents me becoming a deep thinker that's kind of been me growing up because (laughs) it's, it's a small world it really is I me growing up I I went to grade school got my diploma did all that went to college did all that and what fired me up the most was I was never able to be at a training facility like and I was never able to go to any of these amateur nationals I did Loretta's once a year and that was the only national I really ever did I did Minio's once because I got hurt before Loretta's so like me being in school watching like Carson Mumford grind it out through the week watching the verb moto videos and all this I was like dang they're riding right now and like I can't ride so like that's always kind of like been like a burning spot in my heart because I was like I know I can do it and it's just like I can't get it yet and here we are like like I said earlier we all create our own path and now Carson and I are teammates and he's one hell of a teammate and I love that dude we're really good friends and yeah like I'm not gonna say we made it but like we're in the same position now um and honestly me being on my own out here in California like you have time to think to yourself and you that's I've always thought about that was just like I I know I can do it and you're not gonna stop me and my my dad I have my dad's athleticism but I have my mom's heart which is kind of crazy because my mom's a very has a very soft heart but for some reason I have a side of my dad in me that just like says almost like that F you type attitude and yeah. you're not you're not gonna be in my way, and I'm I'm very fortunate for that. And honestly, being around <laughs> being around Tony, he has a very short fuse, and I've I've really starting to uh, get that attitude lately, and it's it's been good for me because I can tend to be too nice on the track, and now it's like mm. no, no, I I won't clean you out, but I. I will definitely pressure you where to me, I've always just been like a wave, wave the hand on, go ahead and I'll try to get you later. But now it's like, no, I own that. That is me. Like that's my spot, not yours. That's so cool to hear that. um, Yeah. You were the kid that was kind of like sitting there watching the videos from school, knowing that you kind of couldn't do it. I mean, I can personally relate to that. Um, but more so in the fact that oh, my phone's going off. Hang on, forgot to put that bad boy on silent. Um, I can <laughs> so relate to that more in the sense of <laughs> the fact that we couldn't, we actually like couldn't really have dirt bikes when we were kids for a really, really long time, and uh, but all of our friends did. So I would, I was the kid. I was only thinking about this yesterday, man, which is crazy that you bring it up. But um, I was the kid that would sleep over my friend's house and just, like, sit in their garage and, like, stare at their bikes and shit because I didn't That's have awesome. a bike. And then I'd I'd get, like, a helmet and then I'd just be like, can we ride the bikes around the backyard? Just, like, do anything to ride these bikes. And I, did, I don't know where that obsession 
came from and it's like i'm 33 and i'm still riding a bike and uh and then it was this thing of like all right i've got to get a job so i can get a bike and then i've got you know i got got a job at 13 and then i bought my own bike and there were pieces of shit and you know like i just i kind of did suffer through that in a way um but fuck it it made me go and i knew that i wasn't going to be able to ever be pro because i didn't really seriously start riding until so late but then i was like dude okay how can i be around this in this capacity and it's when i started filming and but it's cool to see what kind of can happen i guess when you you don't have it laid out for you in that way but there is like a real genuine and burning desire and then if you don't let that desire become like a toxic thing like a uh, like a dark flame you let it become like a bright flame that can kind yeah. of propel you on for so long because that like that that desire uh has been just building and building and building and i mean you look at like you're 23 so dun's retired at 27 so like four That's, years and it's like in crazy. four years you're probably just going to be getting started you know so there's yeah. i think that and it's one of the things that i like about your story and i think that people should hear stories like yours more is that you can make a great life for yourself by just plugging away like you don't have to be carson mumford on the geico ride to end up on the same team as him you know years down the track it's super cool yeah and i don't know if you saw my post from the other day about my loretta's results and people turned it into like mm. a competition but i was like that's not the point and i like uh troy dog off of twitter actually posted like a screenshot of my results and i was like you know what let me let me put this on ig because people what think about loretta's as like make it or break it and as you can see from my photo my best overall is 15th <laughs> and it, it it's looking at my results you would never think that i would end up here right now and it, it it's it's crazy honestly how it works like it's how bad you want it i know i already said that but that's just the truth and i made my own sacrifices and um another thing i want to point out is like i never had great equipment growing up like my my dad and my mom sacrificed a lot for me try to give me all the bikes I needed and like suspension and we never really did motor work like I've always been on a stock bike growing up and I yeah I was like I know what I can do if I were to get my hands on like that type of suspension and in 2019 I, f I got my first ever a kit and I was like all right it's time to go fast like we're, we're Ricky Bobby out here we're, we're, we're gonna lay it down yeah. and that's when I started getting like 15th overalls I was like See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I know I can do it, and it's I just need a little bit more. And no, and it's 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 crazy. Like, just what suspension will do. And I knew that's what I was lacking in growing up. I was like, I just I yeah. I had decent suspension growing up, like for like the local stuff. But the local stuff to the pro nationals, it, it ain't gonna cut it. And yeah, I was like. I, I needed to like make moves for myself and you know sacrifice things for myself 
and that's kind of where we ended up and like yes i'm not on a factory bike right now um and we still have a decent amount of like stock components but like my suspension with enzo it's the best thing i've ever been on and i you see where it's landed me like i know i can do more but and then having like xpr do the motors now like it's i finally have the best dude he is he is that dude is a wizard he's a legitimate g (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. and i'm on the best bike that i've ever been on i don't know any better than what this is and is there better out there maybe i don't know but you know what we got this far with what we're on and i know it there's more to be done so just just so you're giving me kind of a semi at the moment you give me a semi at the moment because uh i got an email from ups yesterday saying that my mx tech suspension is on the way so i'm gonna i'm literally gonna be running like my first ever a kit suspension here in a couple weeks let's go so i got like i got their national shock and then i got uh i can't remember what the forks are called like blackbird or something they've got like full fork inserts but it's all kashima coated it's all just like so oh yeah oh yeah you just got me excited when you said (laughs) when you said how good like a kit stuff is so for me that's never really ridden on something like that um what's the difference because so in my head right i think about my bike as anytime i crash it's because i've made the wrong prediction of what's about to happen so in my head i'm like (laughs) so in my head i'm like all right if i get this suspension that's really 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 good and has all of the best components and has everything the best that we can make it does that make my bike way more predictable and hopefully in my head this new level of predictability will stop me from having these crashes which are caused by me fucking up the prediction is that kind of in line with like how you think about (laughs) factory suspension yeah i i agree um so like my thing is like you can make stock suspension great hands down that that's completely possible but you need a lot of testing because every rider is different and this rider might like this but you might not like that um with me with the whole like a kit it's easiest way to explain is like (laughs) you have a lot more hold up there's more cushion if you mess up you're okay and that's what you just explained is like if you mess up you're done where with like a kit and you actually like set it up right for you you're allowed to mess up it just won't go over the bars or like side to side um one of the prime examples i remember is uh blue diamond uh jason lawrence j law he was uh my my man right um he was there's a section where it was like a double double and then a tabletop and he would the tabletop was like maybe 40 50 feet but he turned it into like 60 70 and you would see when he would scrub launch it his bike especially like mine that to the normal person if you oj a jump you get a, a, a rebound or like some type of kick right 
you don't yeah. drive forward. You just hit hard and you're like, you're done. J-Law's bike, he would OJ it, land and keep driving. And it's like nothing ever phased him. And I was like, that right there is real suspension. And that's what I feel like I can do now is like, I can just OJ something and be okay. You just keep driving forward and you move on to the next thing. But with like general stock stuff, you will go for a ride. You will feel it more in your body. That, 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 that's the best explanation I can get you. So what, like, have you gotten, so for me, I enjoy the process of, um, I've, I've had like a real change in my love for motorcycles through the last four years of doing this podcast in terms of riding them. Like I was okay. in the sport constantly and I was around the sport constantly. All my friends are in the sport. Like, so in terms of being in the sport, I was very in the sport and I have been my entire life. But the riding things kind of come in what comes in waves. Like I compete in jujitsu pretty seriously, so a lot of times, like I'd give priority to my jujitsu. A lot of times, I'll be rocking up to the track completely fucked from jujitsu. So I was doing like three or four laps. So I ha- I've had like a real big change though, and it's because of the podcast. Like there's so many. Um, I'm honestly, I just get inspired to ride by guys like you, and then. I've started going to events and then we've been doing these races and through the process of, you know, just, I guess like getting that love back for the riding of the sport, I've just tried to get, and I like what you said before about, uh, you were like, oh, that was like a win for me. Like I'm setting the world on fire in my own regard. Right. And I fucking Mm -hmm. love that dude, because that's really all that matters. Right. Like, who gives a fuck yeah. who you're setting the world on fire in comparison to? Like, if you're setting the world on fire in your own life, in your own way, that's dope. That's a win. So for me, yeah. I'm not super fast, but I'm getting better. And I can tell when I go to the track, I'm getting better. And I'm like, man, I didn't use my rear brake, it felt like, for a year because I was trying to get used to riding on my toes. And I was like, well, I find it hard to use the back brake when I ride on my toes, so I guess I just won't use the back brake for a while. And it's like, you know, I'm like literally taking the process of getting better seriously. And suspension's kind of one of those things too where, like, I every time I get on a new bike, I put the clickers to stock and I measure the sag and then I'll, like, make sure... I'll get like the balance of the fork height right to where the front's not knifing and but mm-hmm. I can get over the front so it's like I'm kind of going through this process of like trying to be good at riding good at testing good just not for any other reason than when I go to the track like that's for just yourself. my little space to do my shit yeah I'm doing it for me and man the fun that I'm having and like the the stoke that I've got for riding and then I find that uh so the that's why i'm sort of super excited about the suspension thing because it's like man here's like that national shock that mx tech make has got like crazy levels of adjustment am i fast no do i think it's cool to like know what high speed compression does yes so have you gone through a process of testing where you've like really tried to learn the bike because i've i watched some videos when i knew that you were coming on um there was a video of you at the parlor national and you were talking to ml and michael Lindsay, and he's just he's the team owner team manager 
and he's mm. asking you what you did to your own suspension and there's like videos of you on the clickers so it's like yeah. have you kind of adopted that same philosophy of like i'm really gonna like learn my shit i yes when i was doing it on my own and being like my own mechanic yes i was all about it because i wanted to know what was going on where i'm i'm fortunate enough now to where i can be like hey tony the bike's doing this and he's he'll give me an option do you want to do this or this and i'll be like let's do that and uh yeah it's easier for me to be with tony now about my suspension because he's a former pro he he gets it Mm. he i don't know how to explain a lot of things but i can explain it in a way that he understands and he's like okay let's do this because this is what the bike's doing um and he told me it's okay to say no if it if it works or it doesn't mm. work um and suspension's kind of hard for me because like like i said i never really had the best suspension growing up and it's always kind of been long, been like from my dad here's a set of suspension put it on the bike let's go racing okay i don't know if it's good i don't know if it's bad I got a bike and that that's the most important part at the end of the day. So when I came on here with Tony, Tony would be asking me like, Hey, like does is the bike doing this or this? And I'm just like, uh, I didn't really pay attention to that. Like I, I let me go back out and try to like really like feel the bike. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sensitive rider, but at the same time I'm not, I think it's because I can easily adapt because growing up, there was a time, I think it was 2014, I'd go to a local race, I'd race my Super Mini, my 125, a 252 stroke, and a 250F. That's th- so sick. Th- that, and I had to adapt, and it would literally take me like two turns, and I'd be like, okay, we're good. So uh, with me, it kind of hurts me because I can adapt to anything really, but Tony told me like from the start, like, look, you need to like learn to be picky and just accept the fact that you're allowed to be picky now. You can tell me when something's not right. So that's been a thing. And I still like to be in tune with the suspension though. Uh, back to what you're saying, because you got to know what's under you. I mean, I don't want to be on a bike that I don't know what's inside or like what's done, you know, like you, you got to, a hundred percent on board with the bike because you and the bike are a full package you are what gets the job done so yeah no it's I, I like to know what's done to the motor what's done to the suspension if there's any changes I'm open to anything but no it's uh I definitely like being in tune with everything it's it's cool that you could really tell a big difference too between um I guess like you're on a privateer bike now essentially but you're on a fucking dope privateer bike <laughs> like it is for anybody like like if I had that bike that's as about as legit as I could make a bike as a person uh you know what I mean so that's that's still a really competitive uh machine especially in the 450 class like the 250 class you probably uh well cool to see carson get a massive hole shot at washougal so that obviously shows dude and but actually you know what fuck chad's engines 
are as good as factory engines, like re- realistically. So uh, do you, I don't know. Do you know Jackson Richardson? I know that. Wait, yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, Aussie kid. So he's one yeah. of my best friends. So we we grew up together. He's literally like my little brother. But Chad has been doing his engine since he was on a sixty in Australia. So Chad, I've known of him for years and years and years. And so he did all of Jats's motors forever. And Jats was doing good in America in Supercross. You've probably raced him at times. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he was getting some legit starts. Uh, and then. Am I wrong in saying that Chad did the Penrite Honda engines as well? I I don't oh, maybe, think yeah, so. I can't. I, I, I don't know I for think sure. Were, but uh, like he does I moto think those concepts. Ah, uh, maybe yeah. But moto he does moto concepts. Um, yes. And then your your motors. So Chad's motors are definitely well, his race motors are definitely like at a factory kind of spec in terms of being able to to pull hole shots. Yeah, no. Like and they won a Daytona Supercross with Brighton. Yeah, Team Brighton. Let's go. But yes, the Chad's <laughs> motors are awesome. I mean, I pulled a two second place starts during Supercross, and then like the rest of them were like top five, like plenty capable. Um, mm. And Chad, Chad's really good at fine tuning it because he's not all about the horsepower number. He's about putting power yeah. to the ground. So, so what would be uh, the difference then? What what would be the difference then, like, at this stage? What what would you... Like, what could you see the level being between the bike that you're on now and a factory bike? Like, what knowledge? would you want out of it, I guess? Or would you even know? I, I don't I don't know because I've never been there. I, I, I wish I could answer that for you to know what a factory bike feels like and like what I'm on. Um, I think honestly though, the biggest difference between our like semi privateer bike and like a full factory bike is just knowledge. Like, yes, we've done our testing and we know what works for us, but like when you're at a factory level, they got like guys like Trey Kennard you know, like out there testing mm. all the time and see what works and doesn't work. Um, yeah, I, me personally, I think that's the biggest thing is just knowledge. And then obviously you make your changes as you go, but yeah. No, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it'd be, I guess it would be hard to know, but I mean, from, from my end, like you look at the racing you can just see okay so you can get a whole shot so that obviously means straight line speed is that's yeah. a pretty good measure there um and then yeah like you said you're using enzo a kit stuff and i mean you can have a kit suspension that works like shit uh just you know just because it's a kit doesn't mean it's going to be good um correct and you know you hear guys complain about factory bikes all the time um so yeah it's it's obviously not like there is this huge kind of discrepancy um so with the the team itself i think it's pretty cool um and it seems like that team's in a unique position in the pits because big backing by chaparral um which Mm. obviously like they've had a just an enormous impact on the industry over you know 40 50 years 
Um, You've got a guy like Michael Lindsay running that team. Um, It's a two-rider team with two really good guys, and the results have gotten better. Um, it's, It's just cool to see that sort of size and level of team. I feel like... Uh, we don't really see those kind of come around and stay around a lot. Uh, and then if you do, you've got teams, but then they're running on like no parts, no, they've, they really don't have that much support and then they come in and they're, and they're out. Um, so it yeah. seems like that Chaparral team is one that kind of has the ability to stick around and grow. Um, Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. How did that kind of come about with with Michael Lindsay? And I don't know him at all. I've never spoke to him, but I, he seems like a really cool guy. No, th- Michael's definitely a good dude. Um, how it kind of got it brought about was uh, I went to a media expo for Supercross in 2019, and Michael, like, we were there taking photos for, like, St. Jude and stuff, which is, that was, like, an honor to do that because that's, that's badass. Um, Shout out, Dunge. And Mike, Yeah, literally. And I walked in. I was there for a little while. I saw Michael coming in, obviously on the phone, because he's always on the phone. And he hung up. He was like, hey, like a spot opened up on the team for 250 West Coast. Do you want to take it? And I was like, uh, yeah. Like, just let me uh, call like the people that were helping me out to get me out to California and do like this whole Supercross gig and tell them and get the green light before I do anything, because look, loyalty is everything to me I don't I don't burn bridges and uh, he was like okay and I gave him a call later on that night I was like yeah I'm in like let let's do this and then that kind of how it started and then um, yeah when I <laughs> what's funny is when I decided to like move down to like the Marietta Temecula area I was living with Tony on an air mattress for a while and then ML found out that I was doing that and he was like why don't you just live with me I have an open room so I was living with ML for like two months and then um, I started living with Tony because uh, a room opened up there and I was like why not live with my mechanic best friend life coach all that like him and I have a really good vibe and that's kind of how it opened a door and then obviously Michael got more support for this year and he, yeah like look where it took us and it this team's only going to build from here on out yeah man it, it's super cool to see a team like that um in the pits and and i know like just from watching all the stuff that michael Lindsay's done like he he is a very smart dude like a unique dude in moto too um and it's kind of cool to see i guess a bit of youth 
behind mm-hmm. running a team um there is it's not like a, a bad thing but you know you see a lot of the team owners are older guys um very ingrained and set in their ways and this is how it's done here this is how it's, we've always done it here um and i think that youth is a good thing at times you know like if you get the right young dude that comes in with the right ideas i mean look at tyler keith and what he's been able to do um at, at troy lee designs you know like and and i know that there's a there's a level of i guess like just relatability you know like you can relate a young guy can kind of relate to the things that a young guy is going through and it's like obviously a guy let's say roger da costa it's like, yeah, obviously Roger DeCosta was young at one point in time, but he wasn't young with fucking Instagram and he wasn't young with no. uh, all, you know, like the current shit that's going on. And there's like the world's just a different place. And you get a guy that is, you know, le- again, let's say Roger DeCosta. It's like he's really not going to be able to relate to most 23 year old guys nowadays. And it's, you get no. a guy like Michael Lindsay, it's like he, he lives in the same kind of world that that you do so there's got to be some form of advantage yes you lose out on the experience of a person like roger da costa but man like that relatability that you could have with your riders like that's got to be a bit of an asset no it definitely is uh obviously like we're both young um and it's it's been good for us and you you grow really quickly uh with one another mm. and michael I'll, I'll be honest, when he first did the team, things were a little uh, on the wild side with getting things done because um, the dude was trying to play every role for the team, team manager, mm. do like the logistics and then mechanic and you just name it. Like everything that it takes to like have a race team, he was doing and that's not possible. That's why these mm. factory teams have this person do this and this person do that. And everyone does their own thing and it runs smoothly. Where Michael, at first, it was like he was trying to do everything and things were getting scrambling. And he calmed down and then we started getting things done. Um, and then now having Tony on board with the team and Pedro with Carson's mechanic and uh, Keith from texas that helps us out huge um things are going more smoothly now and i think building the race team for michael definitely taught him a lot um and it's uh yeah we're always continuing to like be better and as of right now for next year's plans it's like we got a lot of good things going for us and yeah it's it's uh it's definitely cool. I mean, he can say he's the youngest team owner in the pits. Um, mm. Oh, and l- let me point out, you know who our truck driver is? Who? Michael Lindsay. Oh, really? He drives the truck as well. Oh, yeah. He's been driving the truck lately because I, with every team, like you, you try to budget out everything that you need. And we came to a point where like, you can't really afford a truck driver. And ML was like, well, mm. you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to get my permit and I'm, we're going to drive the truck. And he got his, he got his credentials and 
off we go. So he's our truck driver now. It's crazy, but um, yeah, some things you just got to take under your own wing and move forward. Yeah, he's just doing what it takes. That's pretty dope. Um, when It seems like you're probably privy to information around what it takes to actually run the team and it sounds like you've got a fairly intimate knowledge of it you probably understand like the dollars and stuff behind it maybe more than another rider would is it is there like some kind of value do you think in like being your age your stage of the career in the kind of team that you're at because it's almost like the team that you're riding for is kind of the level that you're riding like you're it's like not a factory team it's not a factory you haven't got factory parts but you got like the best shit that you can buy and then you're the next best guy from the factory so it's almost like the team and you are like in parallel yeah no it, it's uh you got a really good point because i didn't the team didn't start excelling until there's guidance and I never mm. started putting in results until I had guidance. So, no, you got a point. Like, if you think of it that way, it's like, as a team is growing, I'm growing. And that's that's uh, that's pretty badass to think about. Now you got my mind thinking. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool, dude. And, I mean, there's got to be, like, that's got to take some pressure off you as a writer. Because, all right, let's say let's say fucking sexton breaks his collarbone and then honda calls up you're the next best honda dude and honda calls up and they say hey cody we need you to come in to uh fill in for sexton that's a fucking lot of pressure like you ain't level with that team (laughs) the truck driver probably feels like he belongs under that rig more than you not to say that you wouldn't take that opportunity but in terms of like the expectation versus you know so it's like that is a lot to deal with so the fact that you've kind of got this environment that is just so on par with it's like dating a chick that's a fucking multi-millionaire and you don't make any money (laughs) you know what i mean it's like you and the team are on like a really similar level like you can just that's not a pressure that you have to worry about and you know like you said one of the big things that's helped your career is just learning how to worry about yourself only so i mean the team environment that you're in um probably plays into that and you probably feel like a bit of ownership around that team not in like a you know percentage points way um but the fact that like you're putting in the work like you're seeing michael Lindsay put in the work like everyone's kind of grinding towards a common uh a common goal like it's definitely i could see that being like a really cool thing to be a part of no it it definitely is like michael definitely sacrificed a lot uh for this team but uh tony has sacrificed a lot because he he's worked with Bogle and he worked with Brian Moreau and Pierce Brown. So like he has plenty of the credentials to work for a factory team. And he got offered to work at KTM um, after the whole like TLD gas gas thing was going on. Uh, Cause Tony was the newest yeah. one on board and he only had a, I think a one year contract and everyone else had a two year. So he kind of got cut. Um, so Tony knows what it takes to be at that level. And Tony has 
taken a lot of responsibility for the team on getting us to where we are now. And like <laughs> that preseason, Tony was in that semi every day, building it out and getting it ready for us. Like that man sacrificed a lot of his personal time just so that Carson and I could go racing. And still to this day, he does stuff uh, for Carson and I. Like it's Michael like does his thing uh, with the sponsors, but when it actually comes to like doing like the hard labor and making like runs to like Yoshimira or Enzo um, or W, like Tony takes it on board. He's like, "Look, I'll go here. I'll knock these out, and I'll get the guys set." Um, no, it takes a lot, and Tony. I don't. I don't think a lot of people see what uh, is involved with a team because, yeah, to the normal person, a mechanic is just a mechanic, right? Like that's their bike. They work on that, and that's all they got to do. Where with Tony right now, it's like no. Tony is trying to help out with the logistics and trying to. Obviously, he builds my bikes, and he'll take Carson's motors to and from XPR, like. Because we live so close to XPR that it's easy for him. But mm. still, it's the fact of going out of his way to help out Carson, you know? And, like, Pedro does what That's he has to do That's not his rider, with... technically. No, no. And, like, Pedro, Carson mechanic, he does what Carson needs, and everything's good there. But it's just, like, Tony doesn't know how to relax. And... Mm. that's just that that's him like he is a go 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 so with me personally being around Tony all the time I'm like I need to go 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 and him and I we kind of like not I'm gonna say we vibe off each other other? yeah yeah Yeah. we just keep feeding off each other it's like you want the team to be better well I'm gonna be better and you just keep building and it's it's definitely starting to take off and it's like you know what it's we can do this like you don't we need a little bit more support to make things a little bit easier for everybody but I mean obviously the results are speaking for themselves and uh there's no reason why we can't be like the next like Geico or anything you know like it's if you do everything right and you're smart with it you can be that team and that's where I feel like some teams in the past they, they haven't made the greatest decisions and having having Tony, he he sees it and he gets it because he's been able to do a lot with like little to nothing. Um, yeah, and that's how I am. Like I, me personally, I'm not making any money being on this team right now. I I get, I think Michael pays my rent, and that's all I get. Besides that, I'm making AMA money, and you see that I can have a smile on my face. I'm loving life. I'm putting results and it would it be nice to make a lot more money. Yeah, maybe. But like you can, you can go through life with little to nothing and still enjoy it. Oh, amen, bro. Amen, dude. And, and the thing is to get off on a little bit of a tangent, I want to come back to the team stuff, but I mean, I, I kind of had this conversation with Johnny Hopper on the podcast and you know like there was like a bad taste in his mouth from being a guy that never made it kind of thing and it's just like man you've missed the goalposts like you've shifted the goalposts from just purely getting the most out of the experience that you're having to 
I need to be a factory writer. I need to be making money. I like you're you're responsible for moving your own goalposts. Like there's no one saying that you have to be a factory writer, that you have to no. make millions of dollars out of racing dirt. But like that's you that says that. That comes from internally. So you can do. I'm so glad you just said what you said, bro. Because you're fucking 23 years old. You are getting to ride dirt bikes for a living. You're getting to do the best that you can each day you're trying to get better there's so much like that's what life kind of is man like you're just getting better every single day and you're just doing it for yourself like there's a level of personal fulfillment that comes with that that is worth more than money because i know rich people that are unhappy as fuck yeah no that's huge like money is not everything and you will find the the What's, how, how, what's that saying? It's like, if you can't have me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, do I have a lot right now? No. But like, obviously the goal is for everybody is to have a lot. And no, it's, you just got to keep the American dream alive. Like that's, I feel like that's what yeah. this generation is, has lost is the American dream. Like you, yeah. it's, it's what you put into it. Man, yeah, I totally agree. And and you know what? In my experience, like I know a lot of rich people. I know a lot of famous people. I know a lot of successful people. That's just the nature of the business that I'm in. And all of those people got their money by just fucking doing their shit. And they just yeah. do it and do it and do it. And I mean, dude, like I did this podcast for three years before I really made any money. And now I make money out of it. And it's like I have a fucking amazing life i do the exact same thing on the days now that i make money as i did on the days where i don't make money it's the same fucking shit you you didn't start it for money that's the thing you have a general passion for it and the money will come like that's that's with me like i'm not really making anything but one day it'll come you know what when it does cool but that's not going to change me as a person it's just something that I have. It's, it's not me. And the thing is, man, is like, let's say you don't make a bunch of money out of motocross and you don't get a factory ride, right? You have still spent years of your life bettering yourself as a person. Little by little, every time you do a 30-minute moto, you've proved to yourself that you can do something that's, like, super fucking difficult for an average human to do. And, like, yep. let's say you don't make that money. And, dude, this is the crazy thing is, like, Johnny Hopper, and I, that guy, I'd consider him my friend. So this is not in any way, like, I'm not talking shit on him. But, like, you no. look at him now, he's, like, casually says in the podcast, oh, yeah, I've made 500 grand on crypto this year. And I'm like fuck dude you would have never made that racing and like the skills that you now have applied to make half a fucking million dollars in crypto you learn from racing <laughs> you dickhead yeah. this is working out for you yeah no that, and uh it's like what my dad always told me he's like pain is temporary but your end result is forever right so like mm. when you went to school it, i don't know about you but for me i hated school but you know what? You, you got dressed, you went to school, you grinded out those 12 years or whatever, and then the two, whatever you did in college, and you learn what you can and can't do. And school's not about 
learning about for this test or this test or that test. It's about time management and what you're able to do if you set your mind to it, right? And the same thing goes with Modo. It's time management and how bad do you want it to succeed, right? So I feel like with with life, you gotta just like kind of start from the bottom and build your way up, right? And uh, it it's crazy on where it can take you. It, it truly is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. So I wanna get back to that quote in a minute and we'll talk about that. But when you said before, that um like this team could be the next geico and a little bit of extra support would help so for people that are listening what do you mean by a little bit more support like what are the things that kind of like make it just a tiny bit harder for you guys than you would like it to be like what's the bare minimum next level of support that you could get that would just like make shit easy and what's some of the challenges i don't if I'm being honest, I th- it's just budget. Um, we're we're working off of I don't I'm I'm not even gonna say a dollar amount for the budget because I don't know what it is, so I'm not gonna put it out there. Uh, but you're only able to do so much with a certain size budget, and that, that that's a fact. So with our team, our budget has allowed us to have two crazy good mechanics. Obviously, Michael. And then Keith to keep us going because he handles like our logistics and stuff. And then p- paying Carson and for me. And that's that's our crew. Like when we show up to the races, putting up the semi is sometimes Carson, depending on when he flies in. But I like to fly in early. So I always help set up the semi with Tony and Pedro and Michael. Um, I think a bigger budget, we could have, you know, a truck driver that takes care of the semi so that none of the mechanics or Michael or me at times have to like clean the semi, you know, like it's all the little things that lead up to just making the team run smoother. Um, I think Mm. having a truck driver, uh, having a second guy for something goes bad in a moto, right? Like me at Southwick, there's nobody else to help Tony try to figure out what was wrong with my bike it's just tony and sometimes a second hand is nice because he could be ripping apart something and tony can take care of something else and at the end of the day like i can get back on that gate um yeah man like i'm not gonna sit here and like list things that i might be wrong about because i I don't want to like please anybody but Mm. i think it's just having a bigger budget just something that we could get like one or two extra dudes and just make things roll just a little bit smoother. Do we get the job done now? Absolutely. Like you can make it work with this size budget, but for how long do you want to do that for? It's just like anything else in life. Mm. You don't want to, you don't always want to be there. You want to keep growing. Yeah. Now that's so true, man. Like, I mean, for, for me, like on the podcast front, it was like before I had, uh, Ronan come on board and then obviously Jacob over there helping out it's just like that you kind of get to a point where I was putting in ridiculous hours like like fucking ridiculous like sleeping in my studio like this room right now I used to put a mattress on the floor behind the table and I used to just 
sleepier because the videos just like i just couldn't get them done like i couldn't get shit done in time like the u.s is the biggest audience for the podcast so i had to have videos ready to go up at like 4 a.m australian time so it was just like man i was just run off my feet like i couldn't physically schedule enough shit and then do the pod like it was just gnarly dude and it's like you can do it and you can do it with one person so like what you're describing is like kind of a similar situation you know it's like and you can see the potential you know you're like man if i just had if i had like an editor here and if i had like jacob helping out in america like we could do this you know like that's the process that you go through uh but there's just a certain amount of time you got to eat shit in life (laughs) to, to prove to people you know like because i in my head it's like i fuck man i know this podcast can get a million views a month like they might what the fuck does that mean it means nothing if something is just in your head you know like you've got to eat a certain amount of shit (laughs) to go and prove it right yeah no you definitely you got to grind it out that's what you just described you got to grind it out and it's things are able to be done but it's just like for how long like how long do you see this like yeah. working for yeah and you know you see a lot of people in life they start something and it's great but it's only for a short period of time it's because they never got the support or they just didn't have the right connections to make it grow to what it is or what it could be i should say um and that's like exactly what you just explained is like you know you grind out your hours you put in your time and you knew what this could be and then you're like okay i can finally you know have a little bit of extra support and then look where it took you and that it goes yeah. with the same thing with us we started off very small budget last year and then you know we got a little bit more support and obviously our results got better this year the bikes got better um the riders got better uh the team itself just got better and it's just like okay if it got that far in a two-year span imagine what it could be like you know three to four years down the road mm. have you um I, so i didn't know that you were riding for free um which is pretty pretty gnarly i mean I, I guess i hadn't really thought of it i guess i would have assumed you'd be kind of getting something obviously if michael's paying your rent then that's that is something yeah um, it is it is something but yeah uh, but have you kind of do you think about ways that you can make money in the interim when you haven't got the support uh, or not the support like when you're not getting like a paycheck from this because i mean i've watched all the videos that vital did on you um and yeah like you're a cool motherfucker like i think that the your writing is cool your personality is cool you're like different to what um other guys are out there like have so do you think about like ways you could potentially make money i i've thought about it um but it's not in the ways that i want to you know it's it's not Mm. could i could i be making money right now yeah but i just to go that extra route and try to make that cash for what just just to have things like i'd rather you know make money while racing because it's what i love to do i get it you need to have money to like survive and stuff but i'm surviving off what i'm making right now and i'm 
I'm okay with it. Like it's it's all temporary, you know. Like yeah. I I don't blame them for not wanting to pay me or any anybody else because I never had uh, the credentials to say Cody is worth this much. That that's a fact. Yeah. Coming into the season, people saw Carson Mumford. All respect. He was on Geico. Like, what do you, what do you expect? And then you see me, and they're like, oh, we have to wait and see. Well, the wait and see, it's like, okay, he can do it. So for next year, hopefully it's different, you know? Like, you, you got to yeah. prove yourself. And I feel like I've, I've proven myself, and... um. I don't feel like that that conversation will happen much longer. I I think I'll be able to make some type of salary and whatever I make, cool. Like that's it's just only going to yeah. keep building. Man, it's honestly like I honestly cannot tell you how incredible that perspective is and how long-sighted that that perspective is cuz man, I'll be fucking honest with you. I was flat broke until probably October last year like I was making enough money to pay for my bills and when something broke in the studio or when I needed a new piece of equipment I could like I was making enough money to like keep growing in myself uh, and the business but I had nothing like literally nothing left and there were months where i'd get like super behind on rent um luckily enough like my brother owns this building so i was able to pretty much like fuck him over with (laughs) with rent whenever i needed to you know like it was like my overdraft but dude that's like i was 32 like you know how much it fucking hurts your ego to be 32 years old and like not have money and not have things like i didn't even own a fucking dirt bike until I, don't, I paid for it at some point this year. I bought my like my a dirt bike, and it's yeah. like that level of like you got to suck it up, man. And you know that was me at thirty two. So to be younger in the position that you're in, with like the level of foresight to be like, man, I'm doing fine. Like I don't need things. I don't need stuff. I just need a bike. I need my motos. I need the shit that it takes to get better and then let the chips fall when they may like not many people have the confidence or the security in themselves to really commit to that life man like a a life of like uncertainty um and you know and to bet on yourself dude it's it's really 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 cool yeah no it uh yeah I, i just i I believe I think the way I do because for Tony, you know, everyone has their own path and Tony has been to that point in life where when he was racing pro, he was living in his van. Ramen noodles mm. was the dinner or peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like, so Tony gets it. And with Tony, he is, yes, he's making money now, but he doesn't really need money to be happy. Like it's, I, I'm I'm very fortunate to have that mindset and that's just that's who I am like that's just I, I see too many people get you know a certain dollar amount and they change and it's like for what for what it's that's not you as a person like yeah you want to live this like lavish life and stuff but that's not you because at the end of the day when you go to bed 
you, the real people will come out, you know? Yeah, no, nah, man, 100%. Well, I, I think it's super cool. And, and yeah, for what it's worth, I think that, like, if you could just continue the trajectory, um, some really cool shit is, is going to um is gonna happen for you so let's talk about the quote uh pain is temporary but the result is forever uh yeah. i really uh, you hear that shit you hear so much shit when you're when you're young and your parents tell you so many little quotes and helpful anecdotes and yeah it's so hard for one to like really hit you and really stick to you and then you can kind of like live a life in accordance to that and i think that the pain is temporary but the result is forever is something that is so relevant to a life in motocross. So like what talk about that when you first heard it, when did you hear it and it not connect? When did it really connect? When did you start living your life by that quote? And then how did your life change as a result of that? I think it was, I think it was, uh, mini mini. It was 2015. I was in, I think, the college boy class or something. And, like, I knew I could have a chance to win it. And I it just didn't happen. Went down the start, some other stuff. I barely remember. But I remember coming off, and I was so mad. But my dad was so happy with how I rode. Okay? And he's like, the way you feel right now is only going to last so long. He's like, you might be over it within an hour or by the time we get home, or the next month, whatever. He's like, it's just temporary. Don't let it affect the rest of your life. And I was like, okay. And then um, it's, it was one of those things where I was just like, even in school, I'd be stressed the hell out about studying for this test, knowing the material that's going to be on it. And he would tell me, don't stress about it. He's like, what you make of it he's like it's just temporary it's going to teach you something in the long run I was like okay and I I see that now and when I started you know doing the pro nationals and stuff it, it came to me he was like you're going to suffer for 35 minutes and then you mm. have like six well you got to do it twice obviously he was like but then you have six days to recover like that like think about it you have a hundred it's like uh what was it 30 uh i'm trying to do math right now on my head i can't do it 70 minutes like 120 130 minutes yeah yeah like okay yeah um that you gotta suffer then you have all these other hours to recover think of it that way yeah and it's like okay your body can do that and that's that's been key lately um even with me doing off the bike training, I hate it. I hate gym work, but I know I, I do it because I'm like, if I put in this work now, the result of me being on the bike tomorrow, I'll feel it like I'm stronger and it, yeah, it just continues to grow. And I don't know why, I don't know why that, that kind of just stuck to my head, but I think it's because it's something I could relate to the most. Yeah. 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 Just like, it, yeah, it makes sense. Um, so I, like I said, I've been trying to get better at riding and I've been enjoying the process. I did my first ever 30 minute moto the other day 
and uh, I <laughs> I got one of those. I don't know if you've ever seen them. <laughs> yeah, you're like ah, sucker. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever seen those um, my pitboard pro things. They're, yeah. they're not a sponsor for anyone. This is not this is not a plug. But so I got one of those given to me um, by Joel Evans, who's the he's an Aussie pro here. He brings him into the country, and um, I got. 96 CR 250 baby and I put that fucker on that that was the only bike in my shed that was running <laughs> so so I just filled that son of a bitch up with uh, with a full tank of gas and uh, the front brakes don't work that good the rear brakes don't work that good suspension don't work that good but I just put put that bar pad on and uh, I sort of know my lap time around this one track like I think pretty like a good if I'm in a ride not trying to throw down a heater like a 142 is a a pretty good time on like on my 350 and then so i got on this bike and i was like all right i'm gonna do i'm gonna try and just do like 144s like two seconds a lap off my 350 on a 96 honda like i feel like that's acceptable just gonna put my bar pad on i'm gonna go for 30 minutes and i'm just gonna try and be around the 144 mark and then if i can't be around that mark then I'm going to be around the one fucking whatever I need to be to just get this 30-minute moto done. And, uh, man, I just, like, went out, and I just clocked my laps, and I just did my shit. I stalled a couple times because the rear brake lever's bent, and, like, it catches on your boot. Sometimes, like, you can't get off it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But, man, I, like, I, I, like, did that 30-minute moto. And I don't know why, but it just felt like such a gnarly accomplishment. I've never even really tried to do one before. Um but yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of had not, not necessarily like that quote in mind, but I was just like, I'm just going to do it for 30 minutes. Like 30 minutes is going to go by whether I'm doing a moto or not. <laughs> like those, mm-hmm. th- if I started a stopwatch now, like 30 minutes will happen. And, uh, yeah. and then, yeah, I just went out and did it. Yeah. It's like that 30 minutes you went out, but you'll remember it forever. Because you're like, I remember this day where I, I, and you you talk about it forever. Like you did that. And that's what's, yeah, that, that quote just can go any way, but it can go such a long way too. Yeah. And so with, uh, I guess the, the way that you've got to suffer, like, so it, I wanted to do it because I wanted to kind of have like a, a, that level of respect for you guys and obviously like i've been riding forever but just the grind so and then i went and did a 20 after i got like my all the skin come off my palm so i couldn't really oh, i was dude, getting a bit sketchy after can, that i don't know if the camera can yeah. see this but it's disgusting it's yeah it's gnarly it, huh yeah yeah i got the sound enough you can see but i had this yeah, little yeah. bad boy come yep. in there and <laughs> but um yeah, like, j- just to know what almost, like, what you guys are up against every day. And, like, the track that I rode wasn't super rough. Um, and it's something I want to keep doing. Like, I actually want to get good at doing 30s. Um, but, yeah, like, what's the... I guess, like, what's the mindset to get through those motos? Like, to go out there and and grind your way through the heat and 30s? Because, I mean, dude, I noticed, like, I actually felt pretty good through the, the first one. Like, I kind of got into, like, a pretty good flow and just mm-hmm. did my laps. I ended up doing 142s as well. So, like, my lap times are actually, like, not that bad. Um, Attaboy. For, for me. For me. And, uh, but then the, the second one, when I went out and did the 20, like, I could just feel, man, like, zero concentration. Like, I just didn't feel 
sharp. I felt like I didn't have arm pump. I didn't physically, I felt all right. But like mentally, I was just like super fucking fatigued. So it was interesting to kind of like ride the waves of doing those like long motos. Um, so yeah, I guess what's it like for you guys to be doing them that often and that to be like your standard like every day you go to the track like you know you got those 230s to do they they definitely hurt i will tell you that um yes it is very mentally draining because you know what's coming it's like when you go to the doctor mm. and you get an you're, you're getting like a, a shot or something you know that needle's coming and you know what's gonna feel like that's what it feels like for the motos yeah. you're just like ah am I ready for this? Well, you gotta be because you don't have a choice. Like you're about to grind this out and yeah, the, the rest will take over. But with me, how I get through it is like, I, I know I'm willing to fight. So I don't really ever stress about me like physically. Um, but mentally it's like, I like to do my motos in like increments. So I don't, I don't want to see like, Oh, you have 20 minutes left. I want to see like the amount of laps. I'd rather know like the amount of laps rather than the time. Um, because yeah. then you can like separate it. Like, okay, I'm going to do like two lap sprint, one lap normal pace, you know? And you kind of just like, you kind of just try to distract your mind off the, the clock going down from 30 minutes. Yeah. And when you distract yourself, you tend to get things, they tend to feel like things go by faster. Um, yeah, that's that's my biggest thing. I just think about other things, honestly, when I'm racing. Like, so, w- huh? What what kind of stuff are you thinking about, dude? Honestly, there's it, it could be anything. I could think about what I want for dinner that night. I don't know why, but like, it's just like, yeah, you're doing it, and it's just like, man, I can't wait to get off this track, take a drink water. But yeah, you're in a mid battle. Like that's just, it's kind of like, it just comes second nature. Um, but yeah, it's all on how you approach it. And I try to distract my mind on something else a little bit to like let things go by faster, even though it's not going by faster, but you think it is. Um, so yeah, like for me, I'll think about anything during moto, but I just, I try to do a little bit of like, not math, but I'm like, okay, if I'm running like a, a 215 and I got 10 laps left or whatever, you just multiply that and you're like, okay, like we got this amount of time left. And once you start thinking about that stuff, it kind of just like happens. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's just, I don't ever just look at the clock ticking because if you watch a clock ticking, it goes by forever. Yeah, that's what I noticed uh, when I was doing the second one. The first one was like the 30 was sweet. Uh, There was like a couple times where I like looked at it and because I stalled it, I like looked down to see where I was at. Um, And well, so originally I was planning on doing 220s because we got a race coming up in a few weeks Mm -hmm. and it's like a gnarly sand track. I think it's only like 12 minute motos, um, but it's so fucking rough. Like even the the lines where you cut the track because it's too rough get rough <laughs> so so i was just like <laughs> all right awesome. i'm gonna do 20s and i'm just gonna like i'm gonna chuck on an extra eight on top of this bitch to try and compensate and then i'd like got to 20 and i was like I, I reckon i could try and do 25 and then i sort of just played that game to to run it up to 30 and then i was like i'd just love to like tick one of these off um but the second one that i did where well, i knew i was only gonna be able to do a 20 
man i just looked at the clock i feel like 11 minutes took 15 minutes like the uh, no like so from when it hit 11 minutes and zero seconds to 11 minutes and 59 seconds that felt like a 15 minute window that one minute felt like 15 i was like what the fuck is up with 11 minutes right now and uh but i just yeah i couldn't i could not distract myself from it yeah no i i know that exact pain uh so at the house we have a a skeerge where like you have like yeah. two strings and you like yeah you do like the ski motion yeah. <sighs> dude let me tell you what i hate that machine i know it, it's really good for you but i hate it and having that little monitor tell you like what your pace is and the time and what you got to get to <sighs> god i i I have to like not look at the monitor. I'll just listen to music, like have my AirPods in, and I'll listen to. I tell myself I'm gonna listen to two whole songs, and look at how much time I yeah. got left. Yeah, because yeah. I'd rather. Because when you're just skiing and you look at the monitor, you're like, oh, it's only been ten seconds, or oh, it's only been like a minute. You're like, man, I feel like I've been here forever. And then when when you distract your mind and you just start like listening to music or something time goes by quicker i mean it's just it's kind of weird to think about but it's wild yeah so i uh i meditate twice a day so i do essentially two 10 minute motos a day of meditation and uh and the goal not okay the goal is a weird word to use but uh in that 10 minutes you're trying to notice when thoughts come into your mind and then you get connected to those thoughts and then you start thinking those thoughts so like that's Mm -hmm. like i guess like the long and the short of it so then you notice that you're thinking a thought and then you go fuck i'm thinking a thought again then you look at what that thought is and by the time you've kind of had that insight the thought you were thinking is gone and then you go oh it was just a thought and then you kind of rest as like oh i don't need to think the thought and then inevitably seconds later another thought comes and then you maybe you fight the urge to get connected with that thought but that's still a thought and noticing the thought is a thought itself so you're just constantly playing this game to try and get to a place where the mind lets go of getting attached to thoughts in general and so i've had times where so like my uh like I said, two 10 minute motos a day. That's like my standard practice. But then there's Mm -hmm. times where, and it's most, most of the time it's on the weekend where I'll do like 30 minutes or I'll go into an hour float tank. Um, and then there's times where I can be in an hour float tank and I feel like I've been in there for my entire life and two minutes all in the same time. Like, because you're just not thinking and it's the thinking about something that I guess gives time context. So when I was doing like, so part of the reason why I sort of wanted to try and do some long motos is I wanted to try and apply that philosophy in meditation to my life because I've kind of got this theory around why we kind of ride um, in a way is that we experience no thought when we get into like that flow state or when we hit a sick jump or when like I I don't know whether you've had motos or races where it was almost like an out-of-body experience like there was no thinking there was no thoughts you were just like purely doing it and then you fucking come off the track and then you like snap back to reality almost and you're like holy fuck like I just did like where did the time go or 
I can't believe I just did a whole moto or um, like, man, I felt like it wasn't even me riding that bike out there. I felt like it was somebody else riding the bike. Like you can have those kind of experiences. And like I was talking to Sam Hill, I'm not sure if you know mountain bikes at all, Mm. but he's like the goat of mountain biking. And he come in, he's an Australian dude, and he was winning these like downhill world cups and world championships by like 14 seconds, just like fucking people up. And, uh, and he's, awesome. he, when we were talking about this, yeah, he's a G dude. Um, we were talking about this and he was like, man, I reckon I have had eight races in my life where I didn't have one thought in my head. I didn't hear the crowd. I just had nothing. He's like complete silence completely gone until i crossed the finish line and i won the race by crazy amount and he's like that that happened to me like eight times in my career so in and i can i kind of relate that to that experience of like you're just not thinking your thoughts your brain is just let go it's fully absorbed in the task at hand you're not thinking about your thoughts you're not thinking about what i get out for dinner or you're not trying to distract yourself because the thought of trying to distract yourself is a thought that you would Mm -hmm. be trying to distract yourself from so it's just like this dealing with this yeah exactly like dealing with this paradox so in the these motos that i was doing my strategy was every time i noticed that i was thinking about anything at all i went oh that's a thought and then just drop it completely and then just ride the bike and uh and there was I had a friend pull in behind me, Mal. He's a legend. I ride with him all the time. And uh, and he's, he is faster than me. And uh, he pulled in behind me and he was like right on my rear wheel. And I was oblivious. Like I kind of, I knew he was there, but I didn't pay attention to the fact that he was there. And it was probably yeah. like 12 minutes where he was like just right there the whole time. And I just like grounded out. And uh, and then he come back when we, when we come in, he was like, man, like that's actually impressive that you didn't see you didn't change anything while we were riding i was like man every time i thought that you were there i just dropped the thought of you being there i just did not connect to that uh that deal and i just tried to get into i was essentially just trying to like force myself to get into the zone so yeah that's why i just was curious to kind of talk about uh, what you think about during motos or whatever because for me man that that was like literally the thing that got me through and then the second time when i went out i was super tired to the point where i could not stop thinking no matter how hard i could not get into that zone no but you got a really good point because uh there are times like when we're active practice track tony is only worried about him and i right and he's like when you're out there on Mm -hmm. that track you you don't gauge yourself off anyone else because they're not doing our program today only you are and Mm-hmm. When I'm out there on the track, I only think of myself and things just just naturally happen, right? I just flow. I don't think about time that much. But it's like when you get to a race, the time almost feels longer because it's hard not to worry about who's in front of you or who's behind you and what they're thinking about doing. And yeah, you got a really good point. It's like, if you can just focus on yourself, time just goes by quick. Like just let things mm. happen as they go. And you got, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I'd almost argue, I'd almost argue that you shouldn't even focus on yourself. You should focus on literally nothing because at I, the end I, of the day, I know, it's like, it's a thought. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So like focusing on yourself is essentially the same as focusing on somebody else. Because it's like you've got to be connected to some kind of thought. So it's like I don't think the thought matters at all. I don't think the thought matters what matters whether it's yourself, somebody else, what you're having for dinner. I think the thing that matters is not thinking thoughts. So as soon as you notice any kind of thought, drop it. Don't think about anything. Because in, in my mind, it's like if, if you've got the world champion of downhill racing like they win races by hundreds of seconds and it's just so fucking gnarly and i grew up racing downhill and uh, i had the i've had experience on one track called slipperies and it's this fucking like just straight vertical it's in the rainforest in cairns it's always wet so it's called slipperies because it's such dense jungle and there's just no dirt on this track. It's just fucking tree roots. And if you ever try and ride that track fast, man, it it sucks this like the yourself completely away because you've got to concentrate so hard on the job that's in front of you. And it's just like at that point, I, I mean, I had one run where I remember just being like, holy fuck, like I was I was there for like split seconds where I was like, oh fuck, you know, like you kind of come back to yourself a little bit but everything else is just autopilot dude like you just don't have enough time to really react and i think that i think that moto is the same like the real good guys just get out there and they just let their instinct take over because like your body's gonna do what it's gonna do like you don't have to think about riding a motocross bike at this point no it yeah no now you got me thinking about this whole thing i, I agree yeah, I'd be interested, dude. Like, next time, text me next time you're doing motos and just try and, like, I don't want to fuck with yeah. your program, but, like, just to get through, yeah. to get through a 30, <laughs> just, like, anytime there's a thought, just drop the fucking thing and see what happens. I, I definitely will. I'll try that. So, with, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Tony. So, because you've mentioned mm-hmm. him a bunch. Obviously, it's a super important part of the program. Like, how did that first link up because i mean honestly that seems like really good luck to find a guy like him at the time that you needed yeah no it's uh i believe everything happens for a reason and growing up so i'm i'm from delaware and tony's from maryland so we're only ever like two hours away from each other and i was i was that kid that would go to the fence line when he would be racing the a class and i was cheering on tony I was always a Tony Archer fan. I idolized him. I still do. Like, it, that's, it's kind of crazy how, you know, life comes in circles and now we're working together. Um, yeah, no. Tony, uh, Tony's just that guy and he always will be that guy, whether it's racing or not. Like, he, he has what it takes and everything that he learned, I believe, from racing, he's brought over into life in general and he's a badass mechanic like dude i wish i could show you him working on a motorcycle it's unreal unreal he's literally doing things without even looking because he just knows like where his hands are on the bike and he's just that uh, uh, all right we're gonna rewind for a second we're down at uh club mx when traders and club mx merged they are ctr motorsports and 
there was there was a piece in the motor that kept going bad, and the bikes would only last for so long. And Tony was like the head mechanic, so every day he had like almost fourteen motorcycles to kind of take care of, because it was like in in rotation, right? I'm sitting there in a chair like this, playing Mad Skills motocross, and I knew Tony had to like take the motor out, rebuild it, and put it back in. I'm not kidding you. It literally took an hour or two for him to do everything. By the time he ripped the motor, he ripped the motor out literally within like 20 minutes by himself. And then he he takes the time obviously to like dissect the motor, what what needs to be changed, what timed out, put it back to fresh, and the way that he assembles a bike it's like everything has a purpose, right? So everything just goes mm. in so smoothly. And yeah, that thing started up like that. And I was like, dude, have I really been here that long? Or like, you just get done that quick. And the man is just, he's good. He's good at what he does. And yeah, no, I, I, uh, I definitely got lucky because I, I, I tell people, it's almost like I, I don't deserve Tony because I know Tony can be a mechanic mm. for, you know, like the Lawrence brothers, you know, or like a web or Moose like these top guys, right? Like I know Tony is more than capable of being that, like their guy. Um, but at the same time, Tony and I have always been close growing up and he, he knows my potential and he obviously seen something in me and he, He's only really on this team for me. That's why he took the job. He's like, if I get to work with Cody, I'm going to I'm going to be here for you. I'm like, "All right." So, him and like like you said earlier, him and I feed off each other and mm. it's 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 just continuing to grow. So, you made a, a call to go back into boot camp. So, what does that look like for you? I uh, everyone's boot camp's different. I mean, it's just a a title because we know we're gonna suffer. But for me, it was more gym work, and so like last week, Tony had me do longer motos, and I was like more of them. So like instead of just doing like twenties, you know, get through the day safe, it'd be like okay, we're gonna do like sprints and then we're going to do two thirty fives. go home and you're going to hop on the ski for this amount of time or for this distance. And then you have a gym workout. And then he, I was on the bike four days a week. And the one day that yeah. I was off the bike, he was like, okay, you're going to go for That's like a, a three. Yeah. He was like, we're you're, I'm going to put you on a three mile run and then you come back and then you hop on for like a 5k ski and then a gym workout and yeah it kind of just kept going and but he doesn't build a program so that's gonna kill me but it's definitely gonna make me suffer and definitely like develop me in the right way because you see a lot of these guys get like epstein Barr, and it's because they put a lot of load on their body in such a short amount of time they're like oh i need i got like a week to get ready so then they do all this and then their body can't take it where Tony is like, no, we're going to start from the bottom. So like, this is your base. 
and we're just going to continue to grow. And the, the workload that he had me do this week was about the same as last week, but I felt so much better this week in that yeah, short amount okay. of time because the way he sets the program up is like, yes, you have a certain amount of load on your body, but you're never going to get to like that point of like, you're going to die. It's like, keep this amount of load and then we'll die off a little bit and then bring it back up and then die off a little bit. And today was the last day. And then next week I got two days on the bike to do. I got Monday and Wednesday and then we go racing on Saturday. And I, I'm sure you've probably heard the saying, but like race day should almost be like the easiest day of the week. Because if you show up on race day, you've done the hard work already. You just got to go out and race like that. That's it. Like you don't have to do anything extra. You literally prepared yourself for this. So, um, yeah, I, I, I did what I had to do and we got five weeks ahead of us. So it's time to get to it. Have you noticed that your body's changed like physically? I, not really, honestly. Um, cause Tony doesn't really have me do like uh, weights or anything. It's more just like body weight. If I do anything, um, if anything, it's just more endurance, uh, physically, not really. No, I've, I've never really had body fat growing up. So like, and it's hard for me, it's hard for me to lose and it's hard for me to gain weight. Like I've been, so mm. I'm only 148 pounds and I've, I've been this weight for the past two and a half years. So I don't, I don't really ever see a change, but I, I do feel a change in how I ride technique wise. Um, cause Tony is very, uh, he's very like on me for being like head set on the crossbar pad. Like you only got this mm. amount of window and foot position and clutch and all that. So like, while I'm becoming more physically fit, I'm also becoming more of a efficient rider on the bike because of how he's changing me mm. to ride. So I, I was like the Barsha, you know, like Barsha gets away with how he rides because that's how he's, that, that works for him. Right. But yeah. it's not necessarily what worked for me. And that's who I idolized growing up was Barsha. So like, I do have times when I'm not afraid to like, you know, just, dump the clutch and hold it wide open and go throw a fat whip or scrub or not and like just keep moving on where tony now is like do you see how roxon and sexton ride i'm like yeah he's like well you know what they're efficient that's the way we're gonna go and i was like okay so yeah i i i see more of a change with my body on the bike than off the bike to to answer that question yeah yeah yeah, that makes sense. I was actually going to ask you about Barsha. I think Barsha is one of the coolest people in our sport. And especially, especially since he dropped BAM TV. That shit is as dope as a moto video vlog can get. And I'm so glad that he has, for whatever reason, decided that that's what he wants to do. And he wants to show people like the real 
um, version of him. And then obviously some stuff's clicked with Will, gets an overall. Um, but it's super yeah. cool to see a guy that's like your age that he's a guy that's like a few years older than you but he's like the guy that you idolize and i feel like we're kind of gonna start to get into so like for me right when i grew up i was looking at like james and ricky obviously and chad so that was my era because they were like a few years older than than me essentially well like more than a few but um and then like Villapoto and Dunge, they're a little bit younger than me, but I'm still like kind of watching them go pro and that they were my guys. But it's cool that your generation has guys like Basha, Tomac, Roxon, Wilson. And, you know, so like you're, you've idolized these guys and now you're there like racing with those guys. Um, must be pretty cool. No, it definitely is. Uh, the, the, so I actually rode with Barsha for the first time it was in like it was, it was 2009 when he first went pro uh he was at the track called blue diamond and that was my that was one yeah. of my local tracks yeah and i hung out with justin on and off the bike like at the track he would literally try to take me out just because and i thought it was awesome and i was like <laughs> do it more <laughs> and then <laughs> and then i uh, you know at the end of the day like off the bike we went like mini golfing and all this other stuff and he's just a funny dude and one thing that irritates me about the sport is if like if a dude makes a pass or something in a race oh he's an he's an asshole or blah 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 no it's just a racing incident right off the bike they're awesome like i would have never have like okay so for Randa's, for prime example, uh, his pass on Craig, right? People blew that out of proportion. Oh my God. Like booing all this. And I'm like, people would ask me like, how do you feel about it? I'm like, I love Dylan. And they're like, what? Are you crazy? I'm like, do you see him at the test track? They're like, no. I'm like, well, you know what? They watered the track one time. And I was going to go out and he said, hey, they just got done watering. I'd wait a little bit to be safe. I was like, you know what? This dude just looked out for my health. He didn't have to do that. And who do I talk to the most on the line? And it's just a few words because nobody really talks to each other on the line. It's Barsha, AP, Ferrandez. And I've talked to Roxon just a little bit on the line. But besides that, like, or, and Heartwrath because he's like, he grew up in Jersey. So like him and I have been boys, but they're just, they're good people. And they just don't yeah. see that because of racing incidents, you know, like it's people blow things out of proportion. And I feel like if you really want to have a, an opinion on somebody, you need to get to know them as a person and not as a racer. Yeah, man, 100%. And for whatever reason, dude, I am so pumped to be living in a time where a guy like Justin Barsha is down to rip his fucking team shirt off in every single video and put that shit out on the internet. I'm so down to live in a time where AP is fist pumping for the whole shot at Red Bud or was it B- Bud's Creek? And yeah. it's like, dude, the, the time of like, shut, 
Overdale. <laughs> the time of like shutting writers down and, you know, like shitting on writers for having a personality is officially over. It is now mm-hmm. a free for all as to who can be themselves the most. And it's like, I mean, I can't speak on why Barsha didn't decide to do this sooner, but it's like, obviously, he didn't feel okay to be himself. And you know how fucking much that must suck to be making millions of dollars a year doing the thing mm-hmm. that you love, but you've got to put your personality in a box. Yeah. No, it, and that's, and this generation, people don't want that. People want personality. Like, cause yes, your results like give you a, some type of value, but you being you is your, is the best value. And I think people yeah. are finally starting to see that. And it's like, it, it, it's moto. Let us be us. Like this is America. Let us be free. You know, that's how I feel. Nah, man. Amen to that. And the crazy part of it too, dude, is fucking Barsha starts winning. <laughs> yeah. Barsha, he's, that dude's an animal. That dude's an animal. I, I'll tell you what, Redbud, when people have their opinion i say i got the whole shot because i did cross the white line first but i don't know where the transponder line was but i'll tell you what me being behind barsha like that first lap sending it and i'm like mad respect mad respect because he does stuff on a bike that nobody else can do and so does like you know so does like frandis and rocks and like they all have their specialty but barsha has that hangout style and i'm just like Dude, that is badass. Like, I would love to do that. <laughs> like, no, Barsha's just a badass. That's hands down. So, all right, I would love for you to try and expand on that. I mean, you probably, it's probably like hard to expand on it exactly. But when you say that, like, all right, you're behind Barsha for the first lap of Red Bud and you're watching what he's doing, what are you seeing? Oh, dude. It, it it's uh, a rooster tail everywhere. It's not even straight. It's just bam, bam, like just right, left, kind of straight, bike sideways, rev limiter, clutch. Like it's that's how he has fun. That that's him. And then you get behind somebody like uh, Roxon, you barely ever hear his motorcycle. It's crazy. And then you got Tomac, where he's just he will drop a gear down, dump the clutch, and he's just wide open. And it's uh, it's wild. Yeah, being by Barsha, me personally, I'm like, I want I want no parts of it. Like, you do you, <laughs> I'm going to do me, and we'll just move on. <laughs> it must be uh, – d- does it help your riding, though, or, like, does it help your racing like, as a guy that is – you're working your way up to that position like you said you're a fucking 25th place guy for most well like for most of your career to this point so it's like you're not even really getting to see those motherfuckers like like you're only seeing them when they lap you but now you're actually getting to like be behind guys from for laps and actually getting to learn from those guys does that shit make a difference it it does it really does because when you think you hit something fast they hit it faster and it's like, oh, like mm. that that's that's possible. And then you do it and you're like, 
what have what have I been doing all these years? <laughs> and, and what about like lines and stuff like that? Uh, their line choice. I I'm not gonna say that I'm I'm great at line choice, but I I feel like I have a general idea, and we tend to kind of all have us the same line choice. Um, it's it's kind of just what you do over the breaking bumps. Some just throw it in and the bike does the work or some people like uh Roxen or Muscan, they finesse. They'll they'll hit this breaking bump and they'll shoot across and then land in another one and then keep shooting across and that that's what works for them. Um but yeah, sometimes line choice can get wild because if we all want to hit the same line, it's only good for like three or four riders, and then the rest of the field's like, ah, oh, I don't know where to go. Um, yeah. But no, it is it is crazy because there was uh, Washugal. I was behind AP on the first lap of the first moto, and I don't think the camera caught this, but he hit the outside berm, and I was like, you know what? AP's going there. I'm going there. And he hit the berm, and we both sunk in. But his bike started climbing over the wall, and him and a bike got separated, and I started to get separated, and I, I stopped like almost in the turn, so I didn't fall because I saw what happened to AP. Um, so it is it is crazy to see like our line choices because one you might think it's good because they go there, but it's, it's not always good. Um, I will say being like around Roxon, it and it's not even laps like it's just a few turns with him he is so patient with his turns mm. like watching him like he might look like he like you know like throws it in there but everything he does has a purpose and you never hear his motorcycle it's always in the meat of the power and it it's crazy with how he does things because it's it's just it's one motion it's just in out and gone where like other people they'll slam slam fix it and then go um yeah no it's uh the euro the euro riders definitely uh, those are those are the people that i kind of like i'm not gonna say look up to but Mm. i pay attention because i'm like there's there's a there's a reason why they're doing that um and that's what's cool with like pro motocross is we have all types of countries line up on the gate and you can pick on who you want to pay attention to um so yeah line line choices it's uh it's hard because you gotta you gotta pick out what works for you but you gotta pick out Mm. why like you can't just throw it in there just throw it in you gotta know why so are you when you're watching guys like kenny and marv and, and dylan are you trying to when you like go back say you you know you're around kenny for a few turns and you really get to like kind of watch some shit that kenny's doing um are you then trying to like go back through the week and implement some of that stuff that he's doing or yeah no it's uh so being here in california like i see i used to see ferandas a lot but now that star has gone to florida um so when Kenny was out here just doing like suspension testing. Uh, 
I would watch them and they all kind of take similar lines, but it's just how they do it. Like with Marv, like he'll put his foot out, but with Kenny, he'll keep his feet on the pegs. And then with Marv, like he'll clutch it in one spot and then Kenny, he just lugs the motor. But yet their lap times are so identical. And it's like, well, what's better? And it's just with Moto, everybody's style's different. So Mm. he kind of just got to like nitpick and try to make what worked for you. Um, No, it it is. It's hard. That's what's so crazy about the sport is there's no like right way, but there's definitely like a wrong way. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so true. Yeah. So when you're, um, so when I look at you, Rod, I see a dude that rides a bike really fucking good. And you've got the, like, you can whip, you can scrub, you've got, like, the flow, flowy sort of style, but then you've also got, yeah, like, the Basha Sendi sort of style. How much are you working on technique as a rider? like on a daily basis every day every day and it's because I've always had that hangout style but Tony has been trying to like reel me back in and make everything into one motion so there are points on the track where it's kind of beneficial to let it hang out a little bit because that's I know how to do that but then there's also points where you, you can't do that because you're just going to risk yourself at putting yourself in danger and you have to be smooth. So I feel like lately I've been getting bits and pieces from like everyone on how they do things. And obviously with Tony and I kind of just like made it into my own thing and it's, it's just a, it's a work in progress, but I do appreciate you for, for saying that because, um, I watch myself now and I'm like, I don't really have any style from what I used to, <sighs> but, but to other people, they're like, dude, like you're, you flow. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, Cause I, I know me for me, but I don't know me from like a third person point of view, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I, I definitely, so because of jujitsu, like I never really thought about motocross as like, technical like I sort of knew like yeah you put your foot out and yeah you do this but I until I started doing jiu-jitsu and realizing the intricacy that goes into a technique so like uh for me when I do competitions like one of the things that I win with constantly is a triangle choke and it's like I you can teach somebody on day one what a triangle choke is like i learned literally did learn it my first day of jiu-jitsu and then you can finish it and you're like squeezing your fucking legs and there's just like you, you know you're like pulling down the person's head and there, there is all this like the the you're forcing this technique right yeah and then yeah. now like four four years down the road i can do a triangle choke with zero effort like i can choke people without even closing my legs i can like the intricacies like i know i know the type of difference that the angle of my hips makes i know the way that i can control somebody's posture i know the way that people can escape i know the way to change that technique to another technique and then change like the intricacy and the detail that i now understand and guess what in four years time i'm gonna probably be 
that level again like there's there's still so much shit that i would not know um about a triangle choke so for me when i was like i i went and i talk about it all the time but i went and did this uh a, a trip riding with ben townley mm-hmm. i think he's probably the best one of the best moto, moto coaches in the world he's and uh dude it's insane um shout out to method moto he just like released his own coaching website so if you listen to this Sick. and you want to check out uh some of bt stuff methodmoto.com um but I went there and that's when he was like balls of the feet and then he was like your um, your arms are super stiff like you gotta unlock your elbow and he said all this stuff which was like day one triangle choke shit you know and I was like oh okay but because of like the experience of going through the process of, of four years of like really working on jujitsu I was like oh I kind of get this like I get that he could say right on the balls of your feet but that's like the ground floor of a skyscraper you know you're like you've just walked in the lobby and now you've got to take the stairs and you've got to walk up a hundred sets of stairs and on every fucking new flight of stairs that you go up every floor there's like more details there's more intricacy and uh and that's what i've sort of tried to i guess like apply to moto and i've found that i enjoy riding so much more now when i'm just trying to work on these like small details and try to understand the positions because in my head when i you could like freeze a photo of roxon or chase sexton at any point i actually did I, I don't know if you remember seeing on my story but when chase sexton got the whole shot at washugal i think it was the first moto got the whole shot and there was like a, i just paused the story and then you could like take away all the bikes that were around him that motherfucker had literally perfect technique like elbows up back straight knees back balls with feet head was over the crossbar eyes look like and that's dude right but that's at the start of a fucking 35 minute moto with the best dudes in the world and he is so committed to his technique that it's like ingrained at this point you know and it's sort of you freeze a you freeze a position this is like this is my breakdown of technique Mm -hmm. right the mo- there's the motorcycle is in a position there is a correct body position to coincide with that bike position so if you're standing going down a rough fast straightaway pause the bike and then you should be able to tweak the rider to the perfect position to match what that bike is doing you've got a yeah. rut the bike's leaned over there's a perfect position that the body should be in so for every position that you are on the track there is a correct position that your body should be in that matches up with the bike. And then you're going to feel like the balance point will be perfect. Like all the geometry of the bike will work. The suspension of the bike will work. So really all we're doing in motocross and supercross is we're just chasing positions around the bikes moving and we're trying to move on that bike at the, to be in the right position at the right time. That's all technique is if i in my head now you know so it's like if you can break technique down into that one simple sentence of like perfect technique is being in the correct position uh on the motorcycle at the required time and then when you get real fucking good at it you can just anticipate where you need to be on the bike so yeah my whole view on technique 
has changed as a result of spending that time with BT. Um, and then I guess that like experience of like, uh, cause in jujitsu, all you have is technique. So, mm-hmm. you know, whereas in moto, like I just, I never really applied it, um, in the same way. Yeah. Like with your jujitsu, it's like your technique makes you more efficient, right? Cause if you mm-hmm. try to do something and you're not doing it the right way, you're going to blow like your body out 100 percent yeah it's gonna get tired like that but if you do it right it just it's like huh that was it like and same thing with moto it's like you know you could do all this extra stuff and you'll be worn out or you take the time to learn how to do it right and you're like same thing it's like okay we're done like that, that that's what it is um yeah watch and chase it's very frustrating it's it's not just for me mm. it's for everybody because every photo and video you see it's just the perfect posture it's like wow like that, that, that I, I don't know how somebody can be like that perfect but props to him yeah well you know what's funny too is that i kind of always had this idea in my head that somebody was just like if you had good style on a bike, you were born with good style on a bike. If you got bad style on a bike, you will have bad style on a bike. You will die with bad style on a bike. Like that's not something you can fix. But no. then what I've realized, that ain't fucking true. No, it, it's not true. But if you, have you ever seen photos of Sexton on a super mini? Nah. You should. Cause I think he, I think he posted one a while ago or so, some, some like media source put it out there but literally nothing's changed he's literally had that style from super minis and it's just now on a big bike and it just people pay attention to it more but the kids had it for years so i gotta now i've got my own theory around that right so for me as a guy that i would say i'm not talented at riding a dirt bike so in my mind what talent is is the ability to be in the correct position naturally without coaching i i can agree with that because so i I think that's that's how the sport works like some kids are just naturally good at moto and they don't really have to put in the extra work and they go super fast and they put in the results and then you have other guys that don't things don't really come naturally to them. So they work their butt off to get to that same position that this dude that had it naturally is already there. It's, it's, it's crazy how it works. It it truly is. Yeah. And I think it, uh, yeah, I definitely was of the opinion that it's something that you really couldn't change. Um, but over the last two years, since I was at Townley's, I've changed my riding style. Like I look completely different. It, like night and day different I'm still not super fast but in terms of like my style and technique on a bike that actually has changed and the thing with Chase right so he I'm a super fan like I think he he's a a he's a real cool person and b mm-hmm. the way he rides is just immaculate but I remember um he was actually supposed to do the podcast and then he had to go to Santa Barbara. So like it just didn't, didn't link up, but I was doing my, my research, like going through the archives and going way back in his Instagram and man, he, there's so many videos on his Instagram from when he was like young 
where he's just doing figure eight tracks and the captions like just spent two hours on a figure eight and you know like he'd do these drills and he so this is a thing that he cultivated and so much of what you attribute to talent is is just this end result and you're not seeing the real work that a guy like chase sexton would have done in his life like and i mean i like i'm being friends with chad chad would say that he used to ride so he'd ride from his house with a 20 liter fuel drum on the lap of his uh yz80 or rm80 or whatever Mm -hmm. it was and he rode to the track by himself and he didn't come home until that fuel was empty and he only had enough fuel in his tank to make it back to his house and it's like that was every damn day and you know to go back to me doing that 30 minute moto like i actually feel like i got better at riding in that 30 minute moto because purely because i just had a lot of time on the track and i could figure some shit out and like so imagine in my head like when i come off the track i was like fuck me if i did that from when i was 12 imagine how much more shit i could have learned about riding a fucking motorcycle that's so true that's so true because that's what i think about now like everything i'm learning now i'm like man what if i had that like back when i was on super minis where would i be at now but you can't you can't think like that like we we can live in a world where it's always like what if what if what Mm. if but but you, you i believe everything happens for a reason and you're where you're at for a reason and some things are just meant to be and some things aren't like that's it's part of living though you learn and that's that's funny that you say that because it's it's true that sometimes when you learn something new and it works it's like man i've been doing it wrong for this long (laughs) yeah yeah and and the thing like i kind of i i haven't done a podcast since i did that 30 minute moto and it's like i actually want to tell the average joe put a fucking stopwatch on your handlebars and try 30 minute moto like yeah don't try and do it fast just literally go until that time is done and just see what it's like and maybe you can build up to to actually enjoying it and i mean i'm lucky in the sense that nowadays because of jiu-jitsu i don't get arm pumped the way that mm-hmm. i used to so i could see how that would be kind of a barrier to doing it but just go slow because like i can get arm pump if i push it and like i can can give myself arm pump like i feel like anyone can um but yeah just put a stopwatch on your bar pad and uh and have a crack and because man i just learned a lot i forget the thing that i was working on i the one thing that i work on i noticed from uh pause and videos of chase and like watching chase on youtube like in slow motion fucking full nerd by the way um is that when he's when he goes from sitting to standing so he'll be sitting in a turn he'll put his head forward over the bar pad and it'll be pretty low Mm -hmm. and then instead of like the the only position that changes is his hips go up and back and his knees slide backwards so that's how he gets into the standing position so like he's not so much sitting uh standing up as he's sitting with his knees back and his ass out if that makes sense yeah it does and it, it's everything with him is it just happens so fast and it's so smooth like have you yeah. seen uh what was it after he broke his collarbone 
he came back and he was riding Supercross at the Honda test track. And he posted like a video of him hitting a turn and there's like a deep rut in the turn. And I was just like, he, is this like sped up? Because his roll speed <laughs> is unreal. Unreal. And like you said, when he goes from standing to sitting, those few things change and it's just in, out and gone. It's crazy. Yeah, no, it, it, it's super cool. But yeah, so I, I just wanted to say that if you're just an average Joe like me, just try it. Just put a stopwatch yeah. on, 30 minutes, just make it to the end. That's it. I feel, yeah, and like you said, the level of respect, just, it goes up just that little bit. And just thinking like, man, I got to do it again. And then it, when it, even when it gets hotter, you know, it's you don't have an option. Like the days that the normal person can be like, oh, it's too hot. I don't feel like riding anymore. Well, you know what? Mm. For for the 450 guys, we don't the gate doesn't drop till four o'clock in the afternoon. So when you're saying I'm done for the day, let's go home. It's like nah, her day is just getting started. Yeah, man, that's so true. So uh, it's obvious why you went to a 450 for outdoors, um, mm. just purely like logistically, because to have a 250 like practice bike that you're putting that amount of motos on in the heat of summer. Like I could see why you would want to ride a 450. Um, but I mean, for me, like you can go back on this YouTube channel and you can see a thousand videos of me saying that the average dude should just get a 350. That's the perfect bike. 450s are too much, but you're a 145 pounder. So you're a featherweight and uh, you oh, can yeah. ride a 450 good for these motos and you can put that shit in the top 10 um what's it like being a small dude riding a 450 it's a lot of bite i'll tell you that it can get away from you real quick um but for <laughs> me it, it it for how i ride it works out um shoot i've i've been riding a 450 since 2015 and yeah. when we were doing it on our own like that was my practice bike I was on a 450 for a practice bike because it was it was cheaper. Um, f so for me, it yeah. comes more natural. It comes more naturally. I, uh, I I just like having that power all the time because it you get into situations where it's just like you want to like you know gas out of it, and the 450 can do that at any time. Or a 250, it's like you kind of hope, you know. Um, no, it's nice. I mean. You kind of get to experiment with starts a little bit if you want to do like a third gear start or a second gear start. Um, I think starts are w one of the hardest things for me. Yes, like I, I get decent starts, but if you're my weight and my size, that 450 can rip away from you so quick. And it to be locked into position for that start, you have to do everything right every time. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it because you, you can see like bigger guys, they'll do a start and the motor can only wind up so much because the load that's being put on. Where with me, it's yeah. like the 450 barely knows I'm on the bike. So it's just, it just wants to go. Um, but I feel like I manage it pretty well and it kind of it suits my style, but um, I, I would enjoy riding a 250 for outdoors. 
because uh, I know if I can grind out a 450, because they're not easy to ride, especially in the second 30 minute moto, like where 250, uh, like you hold the bike wide open pretty much the whole moto where a 450 you kind of have to finesse because you can get whiskey throttle real quick i mean i found out <laughs> yeah uh but no it's um i feel like a 250 would be fun so i i honestly think for next year i'll be 250 for outdoors i think that's that's the route that we're going yeah i was actually that was kind of going to be like a follow-up question is if you're doing this good on a 450 and obviously like the 250 program with chaparral is solid you're running the xbr motors carson got a whole shot like your suspension oh, yeah. would be the same like would you think that all right i've proven that i could be a top 10 dude in the 450 class outdoors which is stacked uh that's got to give you some kind of confidence like do you think that you could be uh kind of up there in that that 250 class absolutely without a doubt um because i i know what i'm capable of and it's just like i know what i'm capable of i just got to do it uh and i've never really been on a solid 250 and the 250s nowadays <laughs> dude they make so much power out of those little things i'm not gonna say little things but like they make so much power out of them that it's almost like a 450 because we tend to tame the 450 down in a way like 450s yeah. can have all this all this torque but we we kind of like want to get rid of it and move that torque to a certain area in the motor to where we can you know stay in third or second gear um so no it's it's i believe like a solid top 10 guy all day in 250 glass um and that's just being on a good bike and i know with carson like r250 is good the the kid proved it that's i i know you said it earlier but that start was sick the, his front wheel never yeah. touched the ground that was like that was really <laughs> the perfect start and he ran first for like the first eight or ten minutes like the kid can do it and the bike can do it and it's just yeah time will tell and it's uh yeah, I'm just I'm excited for everything for next year and to be on a 250 full time like that'd be cool to like strictly focus on the 250 and not have to worry about like yeah. oh here 250 Supercross okay I got to do 450 outdoor testing like that's that's a pretty big yeah, change yeah um yeah but it's it's kind of cool how some contracts have worked out for riders nowadays like Christian Craig what other rider do you know like that's at a factory level is able to go 250 and 450 mm. think about it yeah no it, it is super cool and it's got to be cool knowing that that new honda is coming out too i'm not sure if you've got to ride it yet no. um but like i'm close with jet and hunter obviously um and they both said the things way way better um so i mean yeah pretty solid year to be a honda 250 guy for if you're going on one in 22 yeah no absolutely and it's it's like everything happens for a reason I'm, i feel like i'm in a prime spot because the 450 yeah. got better i got better and it's like man if the 450 got that much better usually if the 450 got that much better the 250 is just that much better because the 250 always tends to be better than the 450 handling wise and 
Yeah. The from what I've heard with the 250 is that thing is it, it's next level. It's everything that we've been needing out of that bike, and I feel like the amount of progress or the amount of improvement that that bike is capable of is way more than the current model. So in uh, so last year at Parley, you raced the 21 450. You were the first dude to race it. Uh, yeah. Do you think that maybe there's a chance that Carson will get to race that new 250? Like, could he be the first guy? Because you guys really have a lot of freedom at Chaparral. Uh, I'm... I don't think so because I don't think that we're getting, we're going to get the bike soon enough because the very, yeah, from what okay. I understand the very first bike that we're getting goes straight to Chad for development. So I, I don't think, and also like it's, it's risking it a lot for the team because there's no parts. Like mm. the only thing that we'll be able to do on the bike is suspension and an exhaust. I mean, there's really going to be no no motor development, so I'm not saying that the stock bike can't compete at a pro level, but it's definitely risking it more because you don't know what it's capable of until you show up, right? And yeah. if what's the point of changing the program when you know that our current model works, and then you just in the off season then you build the new model and then show what it's capable of next year. Yeah, I guess that's one of the cool things about the 450. Like last year at Parley, you just got on a brand new bike. Like that thing didn't even have clamps on it. No, it it had, I don't know, we were running VP at the time, but it had ECU from Chad, a Yoshimura exhaust, and ODI bars. That was it. Yeah. And, and Enzo and you did can the go suspension. Out and, get a top and Enzo yeah. did the suspension, but. Uh, are, are you familiar with all the tracks around in SoCal? Yeah. I did my suspension testing at Cahia. I was literally about to say, did you do your testing at Cahia Creek or something where there's no bumps? I did. I did. And it, it, it was like, uh, yeah, we're good. And then we show up and we're like, uh, might need a little bit more, but we'll just put the rebound in a little bit and off we went <laughs> yeah dude that's uh that's gnarly but i mean that just goes to show like how good a bike is these days when you can buy a brand new bike on a dealership and you can put it in a top 10 international yeah no the bikes nowadays like they're such a good platform it it's some things are just hard to beat than stock like Mm. for for like racers me like me personally like i don't know about you but for brake pads i love stock brake pads it's i mean other companies make brake pads but i feel like the stock brake pads are the best and sometimes stock is the best and mm. i mean they put all this de time and development into the bikes for what you to change it for some aftermarket part why if it if it if yeah. it's if it works it works man you know what's like the truth there is i can still go out and ride a 1996 cr250 and it's good and it's stock it is a 
20 plus year old motorcycle that is dead stock and it's just like insanely good yeah it's hard to beat stock sometimes like yes the brakes have been updated from 96 to the current models that's the thing i change yeah i change the brakes i change the foot pegs um what else would i do i'd love to put some clamps on it with like the um you use x-trig right yeah yep do you do you use the um could, do they have like the rubber mounted clamps for the bars the, the like the yeah. bar mounts yeah do you use those well no no uh we ours are like threading so it's like a screw and then the bar mounts themselves have the rubber yeah okay yep so yeah so that's really like what i'd want to do because it does vibrate a little bit but even man the the crazy thing i noticed um going back and riding old bikes is the the handlebar position used to be so far back in the in the clamps yeah. themselves and i actually think that's way better like i'd look at it compared to a modern bike where it's kind of like in line with the forks and now i'm i i just got for my 350 i just got some of those um the power parts bar clamps and they mm-hmm. it's the same they're like they they screw in and they're hard mounted but then the the actual where you screw down the bars themselves that's rubber mounted and i've like rotated them in the backward position so that the bars are as far back as they come but um yeah like that's really all i do to that bike is just some clamps some rubber bar mounts and uh some brakes and some good foot pegs and like that son of a bitch is good to go that's what i'm saying i'm i'm trying to build uh what is it and like a 88 or 89 CR 252 stroke. I've seen you because, ride that thing. Yeah, my buddy had one. And th- dude, the foot pegs on that thing were so dull and so little. And like that's one thing I'll change that and the brakes. But that motorcycle was so good. So good. It I feel like it almost handled better than the current bikes. I don't know why, but it, it's hard to beat that. Like it's... It's just good but no i'm speaking of you like with the whole like 96 bike like i'm trying to build a an older bike like this winter why just because like i i've always been a fan of older honda two strokes and something to go out and play around on and it's the same thing it it stock is best like it just the thing works things fun and that's why we ride a motorcycle because it's fun right a hundred percent man it's funny that um so that bike is uh, at some point like i hope to do like a build video for like the youtube channel because i just i love that shit um and i'm like dude do i do do i do like go the stock like uh uh what what do they call it like a um, like oem look or like an OEM like re- restoration kind of thing yeah or do I go like resto mod because um like I that MX tech that sent that suspension they make a yeah. shock so they make their national shock for that 96 so I'm like dude do I want to do a resto back to stock or or do I want to put a kit in this motherfucker do I want to put like the best brakes that you can get some dope foot pegs like the motor on those 96s is insanely good man insanely good that's probably the most uh f- enjoyable motor that i've got to ride 
but it's like if it if it had some brakes and and uh, some good good foot pegs and some really good suspension, I would actually be. I think I'm more curious to see how good I can ride that bike in myself. Um, you know, with like just making it as good, like literally trying to make a factory 96 because there's something yeah. about the the position that you're in on that bike and then how narrow it is as well and it's like dude they just turn so sick yeah no it they're awesome and in my opinion for you trying to decide that i don't think you're gonna go oem platform i think you're gonna go get the brakes done do the suspension do the pegs and i i agree with you like you probably should do that because if your goal is to make it like an OEM and build the bike so it has like a value to it, you, you don't ride it. If it's gonna go to an yeah. OEM platform, don't ride it because it's new. Like that's what some people that you know restore bikes and want to keep them, they want them new. But if you're gonna like, if you want to see what you're capable of on it, build that thing out. I would. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. That's food for thought. Um, so we're almost uh, we're almost running at our three hour mark here. Um, there was one thing in the in the videos that I was watching. Um, I noticed that you spoke a lot about the guys at Boysen. Um, I don't know oh. any of those dudes, but the one thing that I know is that behind guys like yourself, oftentimes there's companies that will just have your back even if the results aren't there or if like so a good example of this would be like race tech and jeff walker like mm -hmm. they seem to have such a good relationship and and i'm assuming that they helped out jeff before you know like he was able to do anything back for them and it sort of seems like from the videos that i've watched the, there's some crew at Boysen that have kind of been those people for you. So it's like, how yeah. important is it for just a, a company in motocross to just help a guy? Because, I mean, sometimes, like, it doesn't make sense business-wise to help a guy for a while. Um, but obviously, like, they kind of saw something in you and that support that they gave to you, it might not have moved their bottom line Um but it like almost makes your career in a way. Yeah, no, it's huge. Um, because with everything that we experience, like with business becomes friendship, right? And you got to know when, how to balance that out. And with Boyson, it started out more as like business than a friendship, but as the business progressed so did the friendship and then kind of friendship took over honestly somehow and like so Eric from Boyson I still talk to him I mean it's not like every day or every week but it's like at least once a month but we'll be on the phone for like an hour just talking about life sometimes it's not even about moto it's about him going mountain biking or me you know riding my e-bike or anything um but no it, it their involvement was huge for me because i would have never been able to have the connections to get in with vital and then brad resnick to do the videos for me 
and they like paid um they help like pay for that and get my name out there and obviously like i have always advertised their product because i've been with them since i've been on super minis um so eric as a business like partner has been huge for my career to try to get it to the next step to get my name more relevant in the sport um but at the same time he's like a really good friend and he's he looks out for me um he's he's helped guide me through this because with every industry there's those people that are kind of like not out to get you but like they Mm. want stuff from you but they're not willing to really return you know and eric like told me about that and he was like hey keep your eye out i'm not trying to stress you out i'm not trying to like put things in your head about like these people but if this happens don't don't be shocked and i was like okay and he's always just looked out for me as a friend not not as not business related just as a friend um but yeah no i i think it's really good like with uh Jeff and like race tech that's a good that's a great relationship they're they're great mm. people I mean Jeff's a good dude and the people at race tech are awesome I remember going in there uh, like to their just their home like the owners of race tech and they opened the doors to me they're like hey like how are mm. you they want to know all about me and no nah, I think it's really good to have a business Relationship, but also have a really good friendship, and I I feel like that's what companies are starting to see nowadays. Um, I think you get more out mm. of it because just think like, would you want somebody to come to you if they always needed something without having yeah, any other relationship? Yeah, you get you get burnout because as, as when they, you know, when their name pops up on your phone, it's like you know that oh, what's he what. They, they want something. Yeah. It's not like, oh, let's see what's what's new, you know? Like, I feel like that's what we need more with these companies, and I think that's starting to happen. Um, so And I think that's why the industry has been building, like starting to, like, build back up for this this amount of time. Yeah, and, and I think it's just super important um, to, like, I don't know, like pay homage to those kind of people, and, and there's there's a lot of times people that um like mike grondle dude like mike grondle pretty much funded jerry robbins outdoor season this year and it's like he there's no return for mike grondle on that but it's just like that's a that's a good person that's trying to help another good person and uh and oftentimes like you know you might you might end up on a factory ride like at some point and you're not gonna get to run boysen but those that relationship like if, if you don't um I guess like I don't know if you never get a chance to like really thank those people and it's like it can be hard to I guess it can be hard for a company to want to invest in somebody like you at your stage of your career knowing that like full well uh, he's probably just going to get taken by a factory team or whatever but you know it's that they're so important like people you know like I'm sure there's a point where like they kept you in the game you know or like people like those those sponsors they keep you in the game and you're at your lowest point and I, I forgot to say this, but 
Boyson is one of the main reasons why I'm on this team right now. And it's because mm. Eric was like, hey, ML, this kid, Cody, watch him. This is what he's done, but just wait. Like, he, he will do it. And ML was like, okay. So at that point, ML knew who Cody Shock was. He heard the name. It what just mm. wasn't, you know, just any other dude out there. And obviously ML was like, okay, I'll watch him. ML watched, saw something, and, you know, two months later, hey, do you want to fill in for this spot? Because Boyson was part of that team. So mm. I think it's crucial for businesses that have relationships with riders because one, you can bring them to a team, right? And help the brand grow, or you can help the rider get to a sp- get to a point because you know you can't get them any further. Like you kind of maxed out mm. what you can do with them, but you can excel them to something else, and you want to see them grow because you simply just love them for who they are, not because of business, just for who they are. Yeah, and that was. Yeah, the way that I was going to bookend this is that you are obviously uh, a good person and you're obviously a good friend to people that you are friends with to the point where that leaves an impact and people want to help. And I think that they're... I mean, I don't think that that this is probably going on too much these days. Like, I think people are probably pretty aware of it, but it's like the days of just like take, 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 take are done, man. Like, you've got to really... like you need to be a good person for people and you need to be like you said the guy i know there's a guy over here he runs like a big distributor um brand and he's like he's a really really good friend of mine he's actually the guy that gave me the nickname gypsy um and man he would say the same thing and he's got a couple riders um that would always call him no like just to just to shoot the shit like just because they were genuinely friends and then uh and like i was filming and you know he would hook me up with like film jobs and sponsor me and shit like that with with money to do film stuff but he used to say that to me as well and he'd say like he's like man it's fucking nice to answer the phone and uh you don't want something and he's like everybody fucking wants something and he's got these he's got like a handful of guys that he still sponsors to this day that don't even race that don't do nothing because they're just like lifers for him because they were always like the nicest guy and i bet when you're like 35 years old and you're like just done racing and you're restoring fucking 90 86 hondas that shit's yeah. gonna have boys and all over it you know oh yeah oh yeah yeah you just the, the loyalty is there and that's what you need nowadays no, totally agree, bro. Well, uh, we just about did three hours. I know that um, Jacob's got uh, got some plans. I really appreciate you making this happen. Uh, you made it happen a little bit early for us today. Um, like I said at the start of the show, I'm a huge Cody Shock fan. I, uh, I'm excited for you, dude. I love seeing the guy where you're at, like the level that you're at in, in the, the pecking order um, of, yeah. of the sport right now. And there's no chip on your shoulder. There's nothing no. that, uh, 
Yeah, there's no negativity around you. It's all positivity. You're all about going forward and progressing. Um, I really hope that if people hadn't heard of you before this podcast and they're just now uh, hearing your name, I hope that they become as big a fans of you as I am. Um, and when I get over there, I'm keen to whip your ass in golf. <laughs> I don't know what you shoot, go. but I'm, I'm coming oh, to fuck no. shit up. Dude, I'm, I'm rocking some clubs at... Uh, Tony got for like 60 bucks and I'm just you know if I hit a straight <laughs> cool if it goes to the water cool we're just, just keep going you know just it's all about good all time right, well, but no all right well I'll, I, I, uh, I I appreciate you for being a fan that's awesome to me I've watched this channel with all all the people that you've had on it's so cool and have this opportunity I appreciate it it's an honor and uh yeah dude no i can't thank you enough for this and it's it's awesome nah man well, i really appreciate it. give uh give all the people that you want to shout out uh a bit of a shout out point everybody to anywhere that you want them to go um and this will not be the last time you do this podcast hopefully i'll be uh stateside at some point here shortly too um and we can do one of these things in person but uh yeah give give the shout outs shout outs the dude honestly the list can go on forever but I'll, I'll try to keep it short and sweet but honestly tony archer for people i i give him a lot of credit he he's the one that changed me i mean i i wouldn't be here doing what i'm doing without him uh my mom and dad for being patient and let me do what i love um ml for seeing something in me um about two years ago gave me the chance um, all, all like the, the little guys, uh, from home, my friends, family, just telling me like, keep going, keep going. Like you can do it. Um, local dealership, diamond motorsports, those guys really, put, uh, put a lot out there for me to grow, uh, growing up with bikes and stuff, trying to keep me going. Um, I mean, like the Conal family, they still help me to this day if I ever need anything like financially or like to get this part or whatnot. Um, Ken and Melissa, I mean, uh, he doesn't do my suspension anymore, but uh, Reese from Pro Action, I mean, it's the the journey would have never have been possible if it wasn't for some of those guys. And the, I mean, like I said, the list goes on and on. Boyson. But um, no, it's uh, I'll never forget those people. Oh, solid performance, and uh, Schaefer's Motorsports—they gave me my KTM's when I needed to make a change in my program, and they they looked out for me. Um, they they took one for the company, and they're the reason why I was able to go out to California. Honestly, here for the first time because I had a practice in a race bike. So thank you to you guys for changing my life and uh yeah um final one kenny day and connor olsen those are my boys they're the ones that i moved in with when i first moved to california so thank you and uh yeah just just keep this journey going keep the keep the dream alive and we'll just keep fighting Nah, that's awesome, bro. Well, I appreciate you, man. And um, I'll uh, I'll be texting you when I'm like, I'll send you some videos and stuff from this. But uh, Hell yeah. yeah, keep ripping, bro. And then text me after you do your next 30 and you uh, think about some of that, that shit that we were talking about. I'd be, I'd be super interested to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah. No, will do. I will do.
Uh, appreciate it, bro. All right, cheers. All right, all right cheers.